0: everybody. I'm Nico, and you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N.
1: And I'm TK. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at X Nate X Gray X. You know,
0: I gotta be honest, this volume, there were points at which I was like, I'm sorry, but Tom DeFalco is a genius. We're here to talk about Spider Girl as she turns 50.
1: Uh, her book turns 50. She's barely turning 16.
0: Well, you know, we've been through a lot for her. <laughs> that is... Is how I feel. I feel like we have been through a lot with this one, Miss May Parker. This is uh, pretty significant, you know. I, I do agree. I do agree with you, though. She
1: is not yet sixteen years old. Yeah, I mean, we get to her birthday within this arc, and I was actually very surprised because I had assumed she was a little bit older. You know, we also come to the realization that the relationship with Normie is like just this side of inappropriate from an age perspective. All. of this was just information that I was a bit surprised by because I felt like if she wasn't intended to be this age when it started I felt like maybe over the last 50 issues it had started to realize that skewing a year or two older maybe getting her out of high school a little bit sooner might be a wise way to keep this character going but as is typical for spider girl what would be the obvious smart path that might really allow the thing to pick up some steam is not necessarily the path the book is going to go on
0: no the book is going to make some really interesting decisions and I think the big takeaway I'm getting here is at some point the idea that this was the MC universe really got wiped away and the idea that this could maybe just maybe be Tom DeFalco's chance to in some ways make up for some of the stories he never got to pay off I think you know they're really is a dynamic shift in what we can expect from this title. And even despite that, they still manage to pack in a frightening number of characters into just a few issues
1: every time. Yeah, it's funny you put it that way, because it sort of does start to create an argument in your head about what is the difference between an alternate universe within Marvel Comics and somebody just attempting to tell a story that kind of logically already came out of what had been in primary continuity, the 616 universe, I mean, the idea of May is, you know, all this technically is is a flash forward. The Spider-Girl is just a flash forward. But the problem is imagining how different the Marvel universe will be 15 years in the future is a huge undertaking. And it requires managing a lot of different stories that you never get to write, but you have to figure out how to weave into the story that you're telling about this one character and how you want to balance that with going back to stories from the original continuity that maybe you participated in. And you're right. This is no longer really MC2. It's just the story of Spider-Girl. But within that, it's still containing this multitude of this whole other Marvel universe that the longer this goes on and the longer the main Marvel universe goes on, we see how vastly different Tom DeFalco's vision of the future is from where Marvel Comics is actually going.
0: And kind of sort of a little bit, not to sound like I think this is some sort of, you Know, deranged danger to all of us, but how far from reality the book ultimately winds up straying is hard to exactly figure out, and that's in part because the real world continued on at the speed of life, but Spider-Girl continued on at the speed of Tom DeFalco's original plans for the title, and those are two very different things. By that I mean there is a subplot in these issues about how incredibly betrayed DaVita is by... Mayday getting a cell phone and not telling her immediately that, you know, the the issues we're talking about came out kind of around when I got a cell phone. And I I can tell you, having been a middle schooler or a high schooler at this point, with or without a cell phone, you would have been really not well received for being so incredibly unhinged the way Davida becomes unhinged. And part of that has to do with the sliding need and recognition of a cell phone around when these issues came out you know we're looking at books that span may 2002 to january 2004 by that point a cell phone for a high schooler not the magical transformational experience they're kind of trying to portray it at
1: and i don't think at any point i mean it's just one of those things tom defalco does not know what goes on with a teenager in the early 2000s and just doesn't realize that like nobody ever had cell phone drama and if they did it certainly wasn't you got one and didn't tell me that never happened in the history of teenagers and to sort of write it in as the you know everybody knows that when a girl gets her first cell phone she tells all her friends and if she doesn't it's kind of a betrayal that's like Tom you might not get kids.
0: Yeah and it's certainly something that becomes increasingly obvious that there is no real way for us to follow these creators on another coming of age journey and You know, for a book that is so
1: hallmarked by coming of age journeys,
0: it's a really tricky web, unfortunately, to spin.
1: It just goes to show, I mean, 1998 to 2004 is such a huge amount of time for being a teenager to be different. So this book was already kind of out of step with 1998 teenagers and kind of portraying them as 1992 teenagers. So now it's 2004 and the book hasn't really moved ahead at the same pace in terms of its understanding of teenagers. So now it's really starting to get out of sync. And it seems like this entire story that we've been reading almost 50 issues of has been like maybe six months if we're lucky for Mayday. So the degree to which she has not really grown in any way that she can keep up with the passage of time for the reader of the book is starting to become an issue that is affecting where these stories go.
0: Well, these stories certainly go in a really unusual trajectory for Spider-Girl. While Spider-Girl 45 continues the very light and breezy attitude of what the fuck is an arc? By the end of what we're looking at today, Spider-Girl 66, the book is now confined to six-part arcs, whether or not they make
1: sense. And when we hit the first one, because it was a Servants of the Serpent arc, I was kind of dreading it. And as it started, I was actually like, you know what? This actually might be really good to focus this book. And it seemed like there was a real inclination to focus on the arc specifically and to cut out a lot of the noise outside of it, which is something I have complained a lot about in previous issues that seemed like six issues previously could have technically been an arc, but really were not were not categorized as one, you know, weren't one through six as this one was. And that lack of focus led to them being packed with a ton of B and C stories that were really confusing things and just weren't particularly exciting. These two six issue arcs that come up are very tightly focused, um, just maybe they're not what I wanted, and so it's, I'm, I'm like trying not to be a choosing beggar while Also, being happy about the fact that we found some focus for this book. Well, through the next three volumes
0: Spider Girl Volume 9, Secret Lives, Spider Girl Volume 10, Season of the Serpent, and Spider Girl Volume 11, Marked for Death, the book definitely undergoes some radical transformations and it actually sees one of the most radical things to ever happen to the series. Now, as we mentioned, these issues take place from May of 2002 through January of 2004. And while most of these issues issues see a pretty familiar team of creators issues 45 through 66 excepting issue 51 are written by tom defalco with a pretty usual group of co-creators penciler pat O'Leaf on most issues ron friends makes sort of initially the least number of appearances he'll make but then ultimately does go back to being our chief penciler most of the inks are handled by al williamson john livesay and sal buscema industry legend with a little bit of help from rodney ramos colors are done by christy shiel angelo sang udon studios and uh, udon studios are going to take over for a really long time and letters get shared by John Workman and Randy Gentle, as well as Russ Wooten and an early appearance from Corey Pettit. So that's a pretty big name in the industry still to this day, appearing in an issue of Spider Girl. But Spider Girl number 51, easily one of the most questionable issues I've ever read of anything. I had been so looking forward to it. Man, did it hit me funny this time. Sean McKeever uh, is responsible for writing and pencils and inks by Casey Jones on Spider Girl 51. The most friend zone issue of any comic ever. <laughs> Woof. These volumes saw release in October of 2007 for volume 9, February of 2009 for volume 10, and December of 2009 for volume 11. Pretty spaced out releases there. And of course, for everybody's favorite, Sales Corner, the book actually sees a bit of an uptick. It starts at about 25,000 copies and kicks up to just over 28,000 for issue 50 before beginning a pretty much unbroken trend down, dropping roughly 500 copies per issue until issue 66 sells just about 21,800 copies. So we are definitely moving toward what feels
1: like the end of the classic era of Spider Girl success. And like I say, it's whoever's sticking in at this point, I just... I I need to know who they are. I can't fathom who these approximately 20,000 people are that are just going to be here for May through this journey, no matter what, because looking at what goes on in this book, I cannot dream up a demographic that goes, I need this.
0: That is something that very much became evident to me while reading this group of issues. And it does have to do with, in part, how out of touch the issues feel with the group of people they're supposed to represent one of the big walkaways I had that really affected my understanding of this book is that in many ways, it feels as though this book is meant to represent 1998 by way of 1963. Almost as if they said, you know what, we are about a decade off from where we should be, so why don't we just say the 60s, the 90s, who cares, it's in the past. And blurring that line really makes it feel like it's, for a demographic of readers that are much, much older than these characters.
1: Yeah, it's sort of the only conclusion you can draw is that this would be for somebody who wanted to enjoy a form of what I will generously call classic storytelling and dialogue use and plot points, but wanted the sort of facade of a present day story, which is an odd type of reader to think about and particularly odd in the context of a young girl like May. I definitely agree and we see some interesting
0: movements throughout the course of these three arcs that are hard to think as of anything as course, that are hard to think of as anything but course correction. There is a lot more let's keep her away from older men. There is a lot more pointing to how many older men seem to lust after her in the spandex and there's a lot of pointing at the fact that Felicity is a fucking child and I cannot wrap my head around. It's not even the putting her in danger because you know what? I'm a Molly Hayes apologist. It's her body. It is her face. It is the way she's drawn in the costume is not that of a 13 year old girl.
1: Yeah. And the way she presents herself is really not plausible for that. It's not even that youthful ignorance that makes you you think that you're invincible it is a confidence that is not plausibly something that a 13 year old has that really borders on a kind of sexualization that i think an author would be like no because you know i'm just saying that she's a powerful young girl she's confident in herself and like that's a blessing and a curse but just the way it comes off is just ugh. There's a Lolita-ness to it. There is a Lolita-ness to it, absolutely, that is perfect thing to say, and there's nothing about it where you can say, she's clearly flawed, but there's something redeeming about it. It's just messy.
0: Yes, it's extraordinarily messy, which is legitimately kind of how I feel about the covers, so I just want to jump in and poke the covers for one second, you know, I know we did it last episode, but I'm going to do it again. I'm really thrown off by the sort of inconsistent stylization of the covers, number Number one, I don't like Spider Girl's name on two lines. That might sound like I'm being really specific, but there's something squeezing her name onto her own book. Like the more important thing is the fucking spider symbol than the fact that she is Spider Girl. The cover of forty-five, she's fucking covering girl with her claw hand, <laughs> and I even think there is something to be said about that that open belly midriff. Like I'm not puritanical. I am not here to say that young women should not be allowed to celebrate their sexuality. It is that it feels that it is being celebrated by a bunch of men in their 40s that I am glad there is such a sense of course correction throughout this volume. Yeah, I fully agree with that. And once we get into this issue, I'm startled by the amount of dialogue that does feel like they maybe forgot what was going on. We'd been in a better place kind of moving forward and then Felicity, by way of Heather Locklear shows up on the panel and there's so many Dawson's Creek and WB references that when her name is Felicity, it brings me to a specific place. There's the reference to Blockbuster Video. Can I have the last Milano? There are so many references in here that feel so much like somebody was like, I'm just going to watch an NBC set
1: And on top of that, they added two dudes, one of whom looks exactly like either Brad or JJ, but his name is turtle and then another kid that looks vaguely too much like jimmy yama yep yep It is as though we needed either of those things. It's so much.
0: And then I find myself also a little bit thrown off because when they introduce to us Jenna, one of the young women who had stuff stolen from her locker, she has pretty much the same exact hair as Felicia on the next page. So I find myself overwhelmed by the number of people that they're putting in this issue. And I wonder how much of it was they wanted us to have a, oh man, who did the locker thing? And then that whole payoff on the locker theft, like, she is going up against, you know, fucking Terax. And she's like, but I can't figure
1: out who stole my
0: costume.
1: And I'm just like, May, the inconsistency in your brain. Yeah. And like, I almost, again, it's one of those things where like, I could like that story if there was more, if somebody was there to be like, hey, you sometimes are a hot mess that like, goes and saves the literal entire world, but then gets upset about, your costume being stolen and you need to figure your shit out a little bit more. That could be a really fun story, but the way it's played here is like, these two things are of equal weight. The amount of false equivalency throughout this story, in
0: our back web room, we were talking and you made the comment of that frequently it feels like every time Spider Girl does something really, really right, there's sort of an awkward gets a couple of things wrong to balance it out, and there are some real clear sensitivities to racial concerns, and and to feminist concerns that I feel like the, the balance really is kind of looking past a lot of necessary things that would make this story work a little bit better. Yeah. But for every weird thing, there's something I really love. I love this alternate 2000 having the spider shop. Like, it's in the grand tradition of a lot of great stories in the history of Marvel. Stories involving characters like the gladiator, Melvin Potter, who it has a superhero costume shop so like it's a classic Marvel element that I think really works here it fits in the story well but the way it's used and then dropped
1: it just feels like oh yeah and I sort of end up feeling the same way about Felicity insofar as like there is the idea that spider girl would have somebody that she needs to be somewhat responsible for that doesn't necessarily have the same right that she does to be there but then at the same time do any Of us have a right to be in a superhero space, like regardless of powers. If you've got some sort of ability, ought you not to be participating in some capacity? Like the debate there is very interesting. A lot of what actually happens is problematic and not as interesting. And then she just disappears and is gone completely.
0: In favor of characters like Heather, who offers nothing to the book. Not a thing. And that's even part of the problem. We're not here to say that we don't have patience or space for introducing new and additional characters. It's more that I feel we get so many false starts and stops with so many characters that it's hard to keep myself engaged in a way that I care. I specifically found the use of the Fantastic Five here, giving Peter his, you know, um, artificial super leg really cool. But so many of the things they do with it go nowhere. And then ultimately, it's so cool Quickly moved past, I feel like I spent too much time engaging for it to not be worth anything.
1: Yeah, and just the inability to have tied the entire previous series where he is always questioning if he should come back and is on the verge of coming back or comes back to yell at an annoying kid to get to a point where he is fully in the costume again, but then he's kind of actually not really fully in the costume again because the leg keeps breaking and then he showed up at a thing where they needed him and he didn't have his costume. Like, this all could have been solved with one amazing issue where he is back as Spider-Man in every way and, like, has the pinnacle of a Spider-Man moment and from there says, you know what, I'm voluntarily stopping knowing I could keep going because I trust May. And the message is all there, but it's really muddled and difficult to get to and it comes with all this weird kind of slapsticky, confusing, not iconic stuff that just makes the will he or won't he of Peter Parker within the series that seems like it ought to be kind of important feel like a plot that I invested in for no reason. And that's
0: a lot of what kind of comes of Felicity disappearing. We spend so fucking much time in issues 45 to 51 which in so many ways feel longer than 52 to 66 combined. We spend so much time connecting with Felicity, coming to understand that she represents another version of Spider Girl, somebody who, like you said, feels like she has a- an obligation to be part of this thing. You know, the fact that she puts on Spider Girl's costume and it's no big deal, there's so much here that there was a wealth to mine. And instead, it sort of gets hand waved. She wants to be partners, but May doesn't want that. And this pretty pivotal scene that could be defining of May. As a hero of May as a a person sharing space with other heroes gets hand waved a way to kind of clean up the, the, I I don't even know, breaking into lockers story, which turns out to be a guy trying to meet girls. This feels so unbelievable that I thought Felicity was going to be revealed to be evil after this.
1: Yeah, I definitely did too. I, and especially like because of Black Cat, which again, like Black Cat is her mother, there's, she has a, a, legacy as well. She, even though she does not have power, she absolutely makes sense of somebody who should be a hero. The book keeps justifying it. There, if they didn't want, if they wanted the lesson to be like, May is an arbiter of who should and shouldn't be in this space and she deserves to be listened to. There was a much clearer way to end the story and have her say, like, I do not feel comfortable with you as my partner because you will get hurt and I'm worried about that, but I would love to, you know, help train you in some other capacity or who the hell knows I can't I'm not going to come up with the plot but the fact that it just dissipates into nothing when the setup is so obvious and makes such clear sense is disappointing what
0: I had much more trouble with and had a lot harder of a time making sense was the number of stories that get kind of like quickly thrown into the last seven panels of this issue is extraordinary all of a sudden hey it's me it's Stinger You should know Angel Face and Funny Face are still up to no good. Oh, by the way, Kane is still around. And here's a lady with really fabulous hair and a really long horse face. And you should know her. And I'm like,
1: should I? Immediately, I knew that like just from context clues that this was obviously something that was important to a Spider-Man story that I had not read. And the idea that they were just like, man, everybody who reads this book is going to get this reference to Allison Mongrain and their jaw is going to drop and I was just like this means nothing to me I did not read Spider-Man whenever this was happening and the fact that nobody anticipated that and thought this reveal should come about really differently was surprising to me
0: it really was because I still don't think they've earned us caring about the Kane stuff really well I feel like the Kane stuff exists and I have next to no relationships with it he is not my favorite part of the dark devil stuff and I still don't know what purpose he serves in the bigger picture so this was not some sort of big reveal I feel strange because we've been so positive so far in so much of this this is really one of the first volumes where I'm like the lack of focus is shining through where the art is really starting to look like it's aging out of sync because the art is starting to look a little bit Old in this volume as well, whereas you know this is a point at which the comic industry is starting to evolve at a much faster rate, and this is purposefully staying pretty classic.
1: And you know the idea that you want to refer to Spider Man continuity like has always been a part of this, even though it has always been said that it's not a part of it. It makes sense. I don't hate the concept that somehow Spider Man's past would continue to come back and be something that challenges May, but the Clone Saga is not a top tier Spider-Man story. The kidnapping of baby May is not a top tier Spider-Man story. When you put Venom on the page, yeah, that's insane. And everybody who reads that, if you see the symbiote, every single person who sees that reveal is going to know what happens, regardless of how much Spider-Man they've read. They're going to see that and it's going to make sense to them. When they do these reveals of these storylines that are, you know, important to the Spider-Man mythos, if you participate, but are not necessarily relevant to the broad Marvel reader, it just comes off as like such a missed moment. And the Alison Mongrain stuff is the perfect example of that. It was just like, dude, nobody knows this story. Why do you think they do? And it's that they try to find room for paying off Spider-Man stories
0: in Spider Girl while also still trying to find room to pay off MC2 stories that we never got to get through. Like I'm still reading stuff from A Next Here, and those characters really feel like they were kind of forgotten a while ago. They continue to appear in the background, and I appreciate getting additional appearances from Stinger and mainframe. That does keep it feeling MC2 two-ish, but it just doesn't feel like there's room for everything they want to find room for, and at any given point, it feels like every story just picks up where it left off last issue. We're just back on our rooftop with Felicity. We're just talking to Stinger again. Peter is just having an argument with Phil. I don't know what the two of them have the fucking common. I don't know what they get along over, but I cannot for the life of me, in like a in a Liz Lemon- Gentle Maroney way cannot figure out what it is about Phil Urich that Peter Parker is willing to put up with him for.
1: I feel like it has to be that he's just like at least I'm not Phil. I keep Phil around to remind myself that I'm doing okay.
0: I could accept
1: that. (laughs) But it needs to be on page.
0: It really needs to get stated at some point that Peter is like yeah one time I took his wife for him and now we're just not sure who the kid belongs to. And that's why he's still around. (laughs) because, I don't know it's weird that I see more of a reason that May would put up with Felicity and her whole wanna bet, which definitely the petulance of a 13 year old, than I see why Peter would ever put up with Phil, and it just sort of goes places that I maybe I don't know, May being mean to Felicity is kind of fine, I guess, because it's after Mainframe talked down to May so she's kind of passing the irritated factor on but then Phil pulling rank on Peter just makes Peter seem like he's forgotten he was Spider-Man
1: yeah completely
0: in addition speaking of people who have forgotten who people are this is an example of where the cell phone thing really shows a little thin I refuse to believe in this world that they have set up even in the world that's going on in the parallel story of you know Spider-Man going on at the time in 2002 if the new warriors were still running around fighting raptor lady hawk buzz dark devil and green goblin spider girl would have heard of it the idea that she has no idea what's going on around her actually makes her seem also completely out of sync with what's going on
1: and it's not really believable because we know her to be more on top of that type of stuff and everybody in school would be talking about it because
0: there's constantly stuff about in school people being like oh this hero versus that hero I'm on this person's popular train. The idea that she wouldn't know that five of the biggest young, and the fact that Phil hanging out with these children is one of those things that highlights the ways in which Phil is not like a regular goblin. He's like a cool goblin. And (laughs) it's so weird that he's just like hanging out with these teenage boys. I'm so unsure what to make of the age disparity stuff because it certainly wasn't meant sinister. And it It doesn't read like it was meant sinister. It reads like it's unintentionally uncomfortable. And I'm glad that the book becomes so aware of the age discrepancies for us.
1: Yeah, and just kind of moves on in a way that, like, again, letting these plots dissipate is maybe not the best way to handle them all, but... I'll accept it if we can move past them at times.
0: Yeah, because there's stuff that the book has trouble moving past. The will they, won't they Mm. of Normie Mayday drives me nuts because the only reason I can let the won't they of it that keeps occurring be all right is because he's 20. And I think he has a responsibility as an adult who recognized that he was manipulated by people older than him that had decisions made for him about who he would be in life you know as someone who has been through that sort of treatment the fact that he's like I won't do that to another young person that's actually really noble and very attractive I think Normie is one of the most attractive characters like personally as like a fully fleshed idea in this series
1: you know I mostly agree and the resolution is correct insofar as he is like no you're 15 of course not but the longing stares I wish they had not gone even in that direction. Like, if they had done one and he interrupts it right in the middle and is like, "May, don't be silly. You're 15. We could have cut a lot of stuff out. And, you know, I get it. It's having a will-they-or-won't-they drama is an important part of a comic book. But we have multiple men her own age that she could be having that with. And, you know, we already saw the chemistry with J.J. in the buzz. Like, there were more appropriate ways to go about this. I'm very glad this didn't go in different territory. I'm worried that it still will in the future. But even those longing glances, of which there are more than one, I think maybe a step too far.
0: Yeah, and I do agree that ultimately it is something where they even backpedal on Normie a bit, where all of a sudden Normie is dressing like he's one of the high schoolers in May's class. Normie is covering up his tattoos. Normie is no longer an active hero. He's playing a desk job. They do try to... Untoughen him so that it's possible but the right decision is pulling back the way they do and i think if they could have gotten there with peter never should have put on the suit again sooner like i feel some of the investment i wind up with in peter getting his leg fixed is the same sort of frustration i have with normie and mayday you're having him flirt with the idea of this very sexy thing for him but is it age appropriate ultimately i do think it is i think think the idea that he's 45 he can't be a superhero because he lost his leg isn't just ageist it's ableist and I think that part of why I can't take big brain seriously is I'm so smart I am a superhero in an alternate dimension running this little robot body this horrifying little gremlin creature and I can't make your leg not sticky doesn't make it's not like a oh ha 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 it doesn't come off silly it comes off like this man is a menace yeah we're all going to die because Big Brain can't figure out how to turn off the Gorilla Glue setting. You know, I also think that using the Scarlet Spider costume is spectacular. I love this look. I don't know about you, but it's one of the best things the 90s ever gave us.
1: I completely agree with that. I also think like barring a little bit better depiction, this could be a good look for Felicity the 13-year-old who wants to be a superhero. It's still a little too sexy, but this is a good choice. If they had continued in this direction in a certain way, this really could have worked. And she looks Cool with Spider
0: Girl, like yep. that's something I feel very passionately about. Spider Girl having another hero to fight alongside greatly softens Spider Girl standing out like a like a sore thumb the way she does.
1: And having it be the daughter of Black Cat, and having you know Mary Jane, Peter, and Black Cat sitting at home being like, yeah remember when we were young? Like, let him do it. I trust him." Felicia of all people is going to understand that you know her daughter is at a certain risk that May is not at but still wants to do this and still has a certain level of skill if not supernatural skill for which she could actually do some good. And it's in that spirit that I wish they got to team up
0: properly more frequently because we keep seeing situations where we know that there's no way May can do it on her own and May trying to be like no you have to stay out of danger is the same sort of bullshit that I didn't appreciate everybody putting on May Yeah, and having the Fantastic Five here like the Kings of talking down to May Feels sort of shocking like You're pointing out the group of people Who most do to her what she's doing to Felicity Without making the tertiary Comparison point right Speaking of unfortunate comparison points though Apox the Omega scroll Looks so much like upcoming Seth the serpent Person this is far too many green Pointy eared monsters with cum gutters That doesn't I don't I don't understand with the Full breadth of the potentiality of the visual scope that heroes and villains of the Marvel Universe could have. We're sticking with so many green bad guys, Green Goblin, Apox. You know, it's a, it's a little too similar visually for the dynamism that we're saying that having Scarlet Spider on the page automatically conjured.
1: And yet nothing can beat Apox's metal dreadlocks. Yeah, they <laughs> really are like the space white boy cornrows from hell, aren't they? He went to space Jamaica to an all expenses paid resort. And while he was on the beach, he got his hair did. I also don't really
0: care for Big Brain being so dismissive of Psylord. You know, maybe that's even what we're supposed to get. Big Brain and Human Torch are so busy laughing it up with their old buddy Peter that they immediately treat Psylord like a boy again. But Silord has proven himself like the most powerful and competent member of the Fantastic Five against my every wish to the contrary. Uh, so when they're like oh whatever little boy I want to be like little boy could go nuclear and destroy reality any moment Mr. Robot in a box uh, so that ultimately Apox blows up the Fantastic Five which every fucking building gets either blown up or trapped in a portal in these three arcs I don't even know what to say it's so interesting because I'm looking at the cover to 47 and this is the first time I even ever noticed Spider Girl on it like The important stuff about a Spider Girl comic really does not seem to involve Spider Girl these days.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's true. And I think, again, it speaks to the fact that, like, the MC2 really was not as done as it might have seemed just because the books didn't succeed in the form that they were in. And requiring the Spider Girl book to be the clearinghouse for all of the intellectual property that was created for MC2 is sometimes fun. Like, definitely, there's a lot of great guest appearances and there's a lot of synergy between characters, but it gets us into overload a lot. And it's an overload that I think
0: there's an expectation that as readers, because we are so connected to the Spider canon, that I think they think the overload will pay off in time. That's something I've wondered if perhaps they think, well, it's Spider Girl. It's got Spider in the name. We have time. Our sales have held out at 25,000 units for so long. We have time. But this is where I start to think we find ourselves in some tricky territories, because we've written ourselves into a world where this is the future of the Marvel Universe, and you're trying to make an argument for the functional efficacy of this structure of heroes. And I get a line of dialogue that is supposed to explain where everyone else is. Just, the rest of the Fantastic Five can't help because they're out of town. Right. I thought there were transdimensional doorways. <laughs> I watch people go through portals in this fucking book all the time. Mr. Nobody can teleport. Dark Devil can teleport. And you're telling me that when the most V-shaped fucking back-winged out come gutter king scroll shows up with metal dreadlocks, you can't find anybody anywhere who can fucking help?
1: Yeah, that's that that's exactly it.
0: It kind of frustrates me seeing Psylord put in so much effort to knock Apox away actually was something I thought pretty cool. You know, we have felt that perhaps Psylord, what's the point of him? Yeah, okay. If his is meant to be the greasy mullet with an Aerith part in the front that indicates when shit's dangerous because he's having trouble, he serves a really interesting purpose. His character was damaged by the arrogance they gave him such that his purpose is now to set the stage For the bigness.
1: And I think to constantly let us gauge where May is in the sort of Power levels that she's dealing with.
0: Yeah. And I love pointing out her power levels because I think it was really great to kind of see Felicity get her ass handed to her. Not because I don't root for young female heroes, but because May has earned her place by surviving so long that it's not great to see somebody else fail. It's great to see May's experience make her seem even better. Right. Just want to say that this is what we mean when we say the art is starting to get to a place that's a little concerning. Page nine of the Marvel Unlimited edition of issue number 47 the open crotch pivoted rib cage breasts on her face thighs pointing in there's some stuff here where this should not be how we're depicting a 15 year old young lady
1: and then turn the next page and check out felicity as scarlet spider having landed atop psy with her ass out in the air it just 13 years old yeah this is exactly what we're
0: saying about levels of discomfort with some of the interpretation of, you know, the visuals and, you know, just to mention it's not that I don't think they attempt to sexualize the men in the same way. There is a lot of musculature terminating in some pretty astronomically huge bulges in some places that don't belong you know, in, in flying. It's just not aerodynamic but, you know, the equipment Equivalent sexualization of Peter is Peter in a pair of what looks like athletic compression shorts. That's not the same thing. Right. And one of the things about Peter in this issue is this issue. When you look at either the old solicit or you look at what the issue indicates is going to be inside of it, they kind of make it sound like it's going to be a big Spider-Man Spider-Girl team up. And it, you know, you're on issue, you're on page eleven before Spider-Man is even doing anything significant, let alone helping out. Like I feel as though this issue being part of a bigger arc was really more about facilitating the Mary Jane sequences with Felicia and Diana, which I am really fascinated by the things they go out of their way not Not to to explicitly say. Yep, I must have read it four or five times before I was convinced that Felicia is a lesbian with Diana.
1: Yep. And that Felicity is like vaguely homophobic. She's like, I really don't
0: like my not-white gay mom. Like... I don't know. There's a line. And meanwhile, Mary Jane is just rolling around like Professor X, <laughs> serving tea to people. This is. And then further down the page is fucking the ghost of Alison Monring, <laughs> Just like, woo,
1: like standing outside, haunting their suburban home. While this scroll storyline is still going on across the city, like no one's really aware of it. They're all just chilling. Peter's showing up like four. Bushman, <laughs> which
0: actually I, I did think a lot of this fight was kind of fun, kind of cute, kind of playful. The way this issue settled, this felt like the kind of magic of early MC2 that reminded us why this was entertaining. It wasn't hardcore in a way that I found frustrating. It wasn't overwrought in a way that felt unearned. This was just a fun time, a fun story told with you know some, some style.
1: Yeah, I mean, I basically agree with that. I think it's all the stuff around it and how it ties into a broader picture that sometimes holds me up a little bit. Like again, just we conclude the whole storyline, everything's fine. They defeat the Skrull, and then the last four panels are just back to this Alison Mongrain story and Kane and Kane, which I still I don't I just don't know. I also really appreciate Peter being like she's only fifteen.
0: Yeah, you know. Yeah. Once again, this is them working to fix some of it, but it's in the same issue with the art problem. Right. However, I will take every art problem this book can throw my way for issue 48 and the Uncle Ben burn. That is the funniest fucking line of dialogue of all time. She basically said, at least my sad beta boy ass didn't get my Uncle Phil killed. How's Uncle Ben doing, old man? she He told her this story in issue 44 as like a, this is my secret shame. And five issues later, she's like hey secret shame your dick don't
1: work the first thing i thought about was the line in arrested development where michael is trying to talk to Lindsay and tobias about their open marriage and they make fun of him for trying to give them advice and tobias goes that's right your wife's dead and then they all just (laughs) (laughs) they all just stand there in awkward silence the exact same moment
0: And I think one of the things that's so great about it is it reminds us that she is kind of like a shitty kid sometimes. Yeah. And I think it's necessary because the story we're dealing with is so much about her being shuttled as currency as a baby in... Two men's essentially super testosterone war. She was a pawn in Peter versus, you know, Norman Osborn. And first of all, the age discrepancy in Norman attacking a child really is kind of reflective of maybe where Tom DeFalco thinks some of this age stuff is okay because the Spider-Man he grew up with was a 16-year-old boy being terrorized by a bunch of 40-year-old impotent old white men. So I just think all of the ways in which they're framing what a child may should be yeah, it's really helpful. By the time we get the flashbacks about Alice and Mongrain and it's all like stated in the open, I don't think I care at this point. I just accepted this as a Spider-Girl story that's going to happen no matter what.
1: Yeah, it's pretty obvious, even without any of the details, what what is going on. Like, this is clearly a woman with some kind of interest in her that, again, like the book is always trying to be like, ah, I bet you think you know what's going to happen. And you're like, no, but I kind of do because I see that you're trying to fake me out here. And then it always is a fake out and it's the one you pre- predicted and you just are kind of like okay let's get let's wrap this up and get to the good stuff
0: yeah i i feel like let's wrap this up and get to the good stuff becomes one of my defining feelings about this series. Cause like one of the things that I can tell you that I get really tired of is Phil Eric riding a glider into a scene to cock block somebody's emotional catharsis. (laughs) It's not even just that he rides in to make sure nobody gets any right. It's not just like, he's like, I heard someone getting their dick wet. I'm here. What's going on. It's also that he's like, Oh, I heard that you guys might be able to get through this storyline, this issue. I'm here to hold it up. (laughs) And that's one of the things that very much is how they're able to get away with keeping funny and angel face in one panel each issue to remind us that they're still out there yep. the weird chase of it though the sort of weird conceit that I find difficult to handle is I as the reader think a lot of what's going on for Mayday right now is a little too much is a little too over the top and that even explains why Mayday is constantly letting storylines fall through the cracks but as a reader I am starting to think think That it feels like May is a passenger in her own story. And this is much more about Kane in the weirdest goddamn bodysuit I've ever seen. This is much more about Mary Jane reacting to her past through her daughter. There's a lot more going on here that just doesn't feel like Spider Girl's book.
1: Yeah, you know, it just feels like a second book called The Parkers that is like half superhero story, half like dealing with Spider Man drama on a personal, like around the kitchen table level, might have really helped because you know no matter how much they want to sell us on it like I get it Allison really fell in love with May when she looked after her as a baby and now May is really important to her that's not necessarily an uncompelling story but it's not a compelling story for May because May was a baby and has no investment in this and no matter what conclusion you bring it to it is still going to be really weird when this old ghostly looking apparition shows up and is like I I loved you and May does anything other than go I have no fucking clue who you are and I'm late for school truly and that's that's one of the things that's like when people say that something
0: being littered with references to the past is automatically like proof of tight writing I think this is where we can say there's a point of too much yeah and Alison Mongrain feels like too much too far away when you know we're doing this whole project within four months essentially We'll probably have done this whole entire 10-year MC2 experience within six months max. And I feel in that time, like when I saw Riley Tyne transform into Dark Devil and, you know, the horns thing and the the head change in issue 49, I was like, oh, right, that he transformed. Oh, right, he's Raptor's lawyer. Oh, right, the Raptor and Normie. Because, oh, right, they're dating. Oh, right, the new warriors. Oh, now they've got self Oh, right! There was a cell phone thing! It's just, I feel like I'm sundowning in slow motion sometimes <laughs> reading this book. So here's my question Why are so many people obsessed with cell
1: phones? I wish I had an answer for that. I mean, they're just uh, so cool and convenient and, you know. But they're superheroes. <laughs> I know. I mean, you would think Reed Richard had invented these 20 years ago.
0: Exactly. That's part of it that makes this so tricky for me. You know, we're still seeing some elements that are definitely very 2002. Uh, For instance, I think Davita running up to May and being like, oh my God, girl, I haven't seen you in forever. Guy or guy. And Mm. May being like, guy, Mm. other guys, is very what someone might think a teenager is focusing on at that point in their life. But like, and don't get me wrong, it is, but it's kind of reductive to think that May Parker, of all people, can't think of anything else.
1: Yeah, or that Davita hasn't figured out who may parker is at this point
0: yeah i uh, there's still so many layers of this book that feel like they're being dredged up from the earliest periods in the title that you know i try and think about the number of stories that all wind up running through issue 49 as we move to what is a very significant number but we get the return to kind of like courtney drama and then it's dark devil and kane and then it's more flashbacks to allison mongrain and Then it's classic Spider-Man stuff. And then, oh, look, it's the Fantastic Five again. And then the faces are in a car. And don't forget the
1: start off with Normie and Raptor. Like, it's all in there.
0: It's all there. And it gets to be, like, suffocating in a lot of ways. Because there isn't enough room for all of the things you're telling us are important. For the number of things you're also throwing in for fun that are unimportant. Yep. However, I might have laughed really hard when Courtney got hit by the car not because it's funny but because I was like are you really trying to conjure up this level of human mortality for a character like Courtney when you're so busy trying to drive it home for Spider Girl? I already understand the sense of teenage mortality but one of the things they're going to spend a lot of time doing over the course of the next 16 issues is trying to remind me that everybody May's age is human and all teenagers aren't indestructible and the heavy hand that that that's ...starts to be dealt with. It's not that Courtney gets injured because of Spider Girl. She just is in a hit and run with a bad guy, but Courtney just kind of gets hit by a car. Sandra is, and there's no nicer way to put it, Sandra just happens to be a uh, domestic abuse violence victim. That's all. It really starts to
1: muddle what they're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, especially because we don't really, again, we don't really need the Courtney mortality story. As we keep saying, we don't end up needing any of the high school stories because it's all there in May as a superhero. And it works better when it's just her. You know, even if you need it to be somebody else, even somebody like Felicity, who's partially in the game is a great option. But we constantly returning to the high school characters who can never manage to make themselves truly important in May's life. It just it always rings hollow. And it always feels like filler that we don't need because these this book has storylines that could use the space. Now
0: I'm very very much with you on that speaking of space, there's something about issue 40, there's something about issue 50 that I find really interesting, it comes in at 40 pages, there is so much like transition pink on that first page that feels very feminized it's spider girl taking care of a young woman and then we cut to Alison Mongrain and she's arming herself and when we do get Mary Jane, she's even though she's pregnant, she's very in control of herself she's operating on a very clear in control level I I gotta be honest Brad crying about how much he loves Moose felt so strange the the opening like fucking six pages of this issue feel as though they are meant to quickly reestablish that these characters have feelings and they are not just plot devices that rotate around Mayday
1: but they are and that's how they're used for the rest of the book so it don't bother at this point
0: Unfortunately, yeah. it's Nobody gets a worse treatment from here on out than Davida. Right. The level of character assassination committed to Davida is something fucking extraordinary. Yes. You know, and there's so many weird things. Like Peter being like, I want to be a hero again. No, I don't. Here's a quick shot of me looking incredibly sexy and shirtless. And now I'm back in my costume. Okay. We go back and forth on that. It doesn't go anywhere. Heather being the world's most supportive girlfriend for Jimmy. Great. But it doesn't go anywhere. There's raptor and normie everything that happens for raptor and normie as much as i like it i don't think raptor really moves past like issue 34 she has made the decision to be a good person and we're just there forever she's made the decision and we're just going to deal with her decision forever she's going to constantly be talking about that she's a good person now
1: yeah and she's never going to again okay so we've lost felicity as a sidekick we had raptor as a potential sidekick before felicity and raptor and may had this great like girls on the same level have powers could be friends relationship and we could have moved into a point where raptor was making big moves and having storylines that could have brought may in on the idea of like raptor did a thing as a hero and may needs to come like give an assist and that's going to drive a plot forward but you're right it never really moves past the same status which is she kind of shows up says she wants to be good says she loves normie helps with the fight but isn't really a huge part of the fight doesn't do anything of her own accord and we just repeat that whenever we need it yeah it's just repeated as necessary. And it's it's interesting
0: because I like Raptor a lot as Mayday's partner and best friend. As much as I'm uncomfortable with it, there is a lot of like intense femme slash kind of energy between Mayday and Felicity. And I only don't like it because they're so young. And th- this isn't something we need. We don't need older men writing about young women having a sexual connection. That's you know just unnecessary. But like there is chemistry there that I would be interested in pursuing more than I would be interested in seeing May pursue Brad. Sort of on the level I would be interested in seeing May pursue JJ. But I feel like even if it, we saw it pursued, it's just going to get Raptor. You know, Raptor and Normie are a huge deal at the end of the final arc we looked at last episode. And then they don't come up till like the penultimate issue of this one.
1: Yeah. And they're just, it's the same beats with
0: them every time. Speaking of the same beats every time, Spider Man thinks he's got it. And then people that are just way below Spider Man's pay grade quickly deal with Spider Man. And then hold on cell phone drama again why I wish I knew and once again somebody's like I can't believe Spider-Girl isn't here for me I can't believe Mayday isn't here for me we're getting too many of the same beat over and over again in a way that doesn't enhance the story because ultimately Spider-Girl versus Funny Face and Angel Face with assist from Spider-Man and Green Goblin and I guess eventually the Buzz this doesn't feel like an issue 50 fight
1: no and you know it's funny because it's the same beat of may isn't there for me with JJ but the switch up is that because of may's participation she finds out that JJ is one of the new warriors and you know basically can assume that he's the buzz and that could be a really good spin on the trope that we've been getting over and over again which is that may can't be there for her high school friends but then here's the one that she actually kind of could be you know there's something there there's a twist on this story that's been repeated to death in a way that's really boring but we don't actually get it it's just set up One place we did get a twist on the story that I appreciated
0: was I'm pretty tired of always showing that women are capable superheroes by having them choose nonviolence. That is an important story, but it can't be the only story. Once again, May choosing nonviolence as the way to save the day after we saw it fail so spectacularly in previous arcs had me really nervous. She does it here. She does it in a couple of issues again. I would say this one's probably the most successful because it means I don't have to put up with Alison Mongrain again so I'm pretty grateful that that's how she handles this one but it doesn't do anything for me like she just doesn't punch someone and that's the end
1: I mean the only like counterbalance I would give is that she recognizes that she tried to do that with Angel Face and Funny Face and she's not giving them a second chance and she kicks the shit out of them and that's how that gets resolved I think those two coming those two storylines wrapping up at the same time for me gave a sort of hand wave to the Allison Mongrain thing it really is kind of just like the idea that you would put yourself between your best friend and a woman with a gun that's trying to murder them and then have a heartfelt moment with that woman. Yeah. Uh, A little unhinged. And speaking of unhinged, I have a
0: genuine question about the interpretation of Moose being like oh, her parents blame me because I asked Courtney out and that's why she got hit by a car because she was dress shopping. The weird jumps in logic that like adults in this universe have like adults in this universe hate children like that's for sure and I think the value of getting that shot that famous spider man leaving his costume in the garbage
1: can I feel like May has done that shot so many times it just didn't feel powerful right she's constantly thinking I shouldn't do this which is fine that's a great story the teenage hero that is constantly in doubt that's that is a real thing again we're talking about an issue 50 here we're talking about a dramatic end Uh, we're talking about going into an issue 51 that's going to take us real far off the beaten path so this would have been a good place to pick something that was going to leave us in a really like the best of Mayday Parker type of space and we did not get that
0: you know and I love that you point out that issue 51 is deeply off the beaten path because Marvel also feels that way as a matter of fact issue 51 was originally collected with issues 34 to 39 and I understand why. It sits at sort of a weird place in the series. Doesn't really make sense where it goes. I couldn't find anything if there was like a specific reason it was told in this way. But, it, you know, we get this weird issue 51 that, for me, sucked all of the energy out of 50. And I honestly didn't think that 50 had all that much energy in the first place.
1: Yes, that is exactly right.
0: This story, I kept putting like,
1: I have no idea who this is is this
0: jj is this brad and yeah i mean
1: i kept thinking this has got to be somebody right and then they go out of their way to be like it's nobody it's literally no one but what
0: is a huge struggle for me is may in the shower yeah we have spent so much time establishing that she is 15 fucking years old and we have spent so much time saying that all of these characters that we care about don't get enough panel time and then there's this whole issue about this other guy and his friend Kari. And then there's Spider-Girl fighting Electra, but not the good Electra, the bad Electra, who I guess I'd rather see her fight. But this whole, like, there's a weird way in which this story maybe reads a little bit like, I want to thank you for being someone I fell in love with. That I'm not saying it's the author, I'm not saying it's Sean McKeever, but it definitely fits a
1: certain kind of fan. Yeah, I can get that. And like, the kid is like, really just a fan of Mayday. Like he's, he doesn't know her at all, but he watches her from afar which is fucking creepy but whatever and you know he's he's a kid so he says he loves her it doesn't that's not a thing it doesn't matter he but he admires this girl that he knows from school and like again it's not it's not that that's like a bad story at all but to have that be like 15 panels throughout an issue that again had something to do with like may's sort of feeling of self-loathing and then coming to discover that somebody sees her and realizes that she's a great person that could work sure whatever having it be this whole issue in which almost everything is this creepy ass fucking letter and this kid stalking may it, it just isn't necessary it gets us nothing It gets us nothing. This
0: just makes me feel like I lost time in a book. I already feel like I am frequently operating at a sort of page economy space deficit. So... You know, I don't even think issue 51 is the worst example of Spider Girl, but that this is a one off writer, and I mean it definitely looks like a completely different art team in a way that they maybe could have thought out that shower scene a little bit better. Yep. And absolutely. you know, looking back on this volume, taking a look at issues 45 to 51, for me, this is sort of a C volume. This should have been like a big time for Spider Girl should have been like her high harvest but it really feels like we're kind of scratching at the end of some old plots and i do think that the next two volumes we're going to talk about are a huge improvement over this one but this is so far for me the low point of spider girl i think that's
1: pretty much correct yeah
0: i wish it could be a higher score but you know it's this next two arcs where they just start fucking killing off storylines they never finished yep that really moves the story forward
1: yep exactly and it really it ought to have started happening here so that we could hit something at a pinnacle with issue 50 and then start moving into like tight storylines from there on out.
0: like we said, I definitely think that the series takes a pick back up in the right direction right away with the next issue. That said, I think the weird way they go about it is unusual. Like I found this issue in particular stylized really fascinatingly. And that's so unusual because issue 52 featured nothing but previous contributors, Tom DeFalco, Ron friends, Al Williamson, Udon studios, But this issue looked like no other issue of the series before it in a way I enjoyed.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Even the completely out of nowhere restylization of May, there's something about it that I was just like, I don't know, it's fun. I'm into it. Go for it, girl. Try a new style out. And there's something so playful about it that really updates the
0: look. And, you know, if I'm jumping onto this book for the first time at issue 52, which I might be because I might have jumped on for 50, really interesting cover, really cool cover. I might have kept on for 51 because I saw hot writer Sean McKeever at this time. He was part of the Tsunami line, which was a line aimed at younger readers. So I might have come over to Spider Girl because of that and stayed. And these really interesting fade job color projections. JJ as the buzz, as we have said a million times, is like one of the hottest fucking heroes in terms of design and confidence. So seeing JJ as a normal teen boy and kind of being like, that's not, uh, that's not a superhero. But seeing the projection of buzz around him. That's a superhero. Peter's kind of befuddled by middle age and constantly looking a little bit like Tony Stark. And we get that really kind of ompty domp sort of spider guy crouching and we get the, there's no question that that is fucking Phil in that goblin costume. Just the stylization of this issue is so cool. Yeah. And I love the internal thought process on Felicity. I do find myself a big Felicity fan by the end of this issue. I think the the way she devolves into her own mind, like the way she gets lost in her own thoughts is really true of a depressed 13 year old. I really, you know, related as in like a lot of ways remembering feeling like I couldn't stop being a fuck up and I would have been happy if the book switched over to follow Felicity at this point as much as I would have been happy to keep going with May. I know that's kind of like a, a pretty bold statement but Scarlet Spider Felicity offers me something May doesn't, which is May has no sense of internalized struggle. May's internal struggles are her external struggles. We never see May try to keep a straight or brave face when she's feeling broken or sad. We see it from Felicity. And that's something I really appreciate about this fictional character.
1: And I absolutely love the idea that she is projecting a future in which she is very successful as Scarlet Spider as yeah. a way to cope with the fact that she was not successful in the present. It's that thing that you do where you have the conversation over in the shower and say all the things that you should have said but like you just couldn't get out. It's just such a good moment. You know it does make me really want to follow her.
0: And I think it's that willingness to follow her that was why I was kind of happy to keep going with the series after being so unhappy with the last arc. There's so much more in this one that works for me than the last one and it's things like normally having his sleeves bare. You know that ages him back up a bit that kind of gives him back a little bit of that edge. Then pointing it out is kind of funny, but giving Normie back an edge when I thought Normie was one of the only characters with an edge compared to Phil, like, you know, the cuckiest Green Goblin. It's really important that characters like Dark Devil, who had fallen by the
1: wayside,
0: get to come back into the story and that it doesn't just become the Alison Mongreen book.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think this one, it just happens to balance these things out a little bit because we've definitely had complaints about times in the past where like a character like Dark Devil has appeared in an issue where there's is a lot of other things going on but the thing that this one does is find a balance and not overstuff. stuff. This is still a pretty packed issue in terms of various spider girl plots but it is not overpacked. I would say it's like just right at the top and they manage to find solid through lines usually through May honestly except for with the Felicity kind of fantasy stuff they find solid through lines that may it possible to go from storyline to storyline and sort of get a holistic approach of what's going on in this world right now, which is something that's often missing when this book is really packed with different plots.
0: Uh, Speaking of what's going on in this world and being overpacked with plots, Phil being like, we have to fill the void left by Spider-Man. What? What (sighs) void left by Spider-Man?
1: Just ignore everything Phil says. He doesn't matter. Just, Just
0: ignore everything Phil says. Phil represents what this book was maybe intended to be that it could never it's almost like Phil Meta is furious that the book didn't go in the direction that had room for him right and he just won't get out of it he's like a canker on the metafiction of this story because it feels like if I could lose a Phil for every dark devil I'd rather focus on I'd still have too many characters yes and I'd still be okay with it I don't know it's things like I didn't realize that fucking Raptor's name was Brenda
1: as soon as I saw that I was like did some editor finally realize realized that blackie drago was something we had to stop writing down
0: yes i really think so yeah and you know she is such a great character i really think that everything that she gets throughout this arc is stuff i like for her it's not that it sounds good for raptor you know i legitimately thought she was about to get ravenscrofted when like mr squarehead is like i'm gonna become your new best friend yeah i was like oh they're gonna experiment on her yeah, she's gonna be to actual be a bird. bird. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we both went through they're gonna turn her into an actual bird that's ridiculous that's not in our notes that's amazing so I love that for us real hot we're so cute together and you know they do such a good job reminding us that this is a multi book universe at times it's stuff like Mayday in that Avengers shirt the whole time and the Avengers characters showing up in Scarlet Spider's super cool costume dream I think they do a really fantastic job playing with why I, it could still be a functional multi-book universe as if to say you never know
1: yeah it does suck that it's not like absolutely this is a great example of again it's balanced perfectly so all the extra characters that there's not really a ton of time for you can kind of see and plausibly believe there's a whole there's still room for a dark devil book like there's still that possibility but since it never comes and you know we know it's really not coming besides a few other things again nothing that's going last like spider girl there's a part of me that's always yearning truly yearning for more and maybe a little bit better treatment because the whole
0: thing is at the end of 50 she put the costume in the dumpster and at the end of 52 with 51 being a flashback fill-in she puts the costume back on <laughs> that was that's, a real brief moment of self-doubt man. man that was like that was there was barely time to read the indica before <laughs> she was like nope back in the suit and like it threw me off because this is a little bit back to the complaint we had early on which is they don't let her go through the actual motions of the experience you know Spider-Man would go through those phases for three months and yeah it might have only been four issues all said and done but there were four issues of Spider-Man thinking he shouldn't wear the costume and maybe it was an arc of spectacular and it didn't happen in Amazing and Amazing never even acknowledged it but there were two Spider-Books so there was still a story where Spider-Man didn't wear the costume. The problem with issue 52 is she's in the costume the whole fucking
1: time. The other thing is, they do give her some story beats like that, and then they give them to her for far too long, like being powerless. Powerless was like eight or nine issues, yeah. And so, you know, yeah, two more issues of her without the costume. Even just like, you know, make it a little less dramatic and a little more subtle. She folds it up and puts it under her bed and says, maybe I need to take a break. And, you know, she has like a near miss with a crime, but nothing happens. So she goes, yeah, you know what? I might be correct and then she encounters a crime that she really could stop and she has to barely do it because she can't hold her secret identity and then she finally realizes that she needs to go back into it that's like a tight gets us there isn't melodramatic but we do get to see her have this moment of like maybe i should step back it doesn't always need to be these broad definitive statements that either go on far too long or are so short that they don't mean anything
0: yeah really i feel very much that way because speaking about it as such a short moment that doesn't mean anything, I would have much rather a much longer volume 45 to 53 than sort of squeeze issues 52 and 53 at the beginning of the next volume. Yes. Because exactly what you said, it doesn't matter that this happened. So it feels like a coda on 50 more than like the opening of what is kind of actually the most exciting Spider-Girl arc. The season of the Serpent stuff we're going to get to in a little bit is maybe not perfect, perfect but it's a really holistic story yep. for what has felt like a missing pieces narrative and yeah 52 and 53 i just don't know what they're doing
1: yeah not only do i not understand why they chose to do this sort of thing but i don't understand what is going on with this girl like why do we do another story that isn't about anything and isn't really related to may and is kind of exactly like the cell letter story, but also like, is does she is she a mutant? Is and, she a ghost? And does she have the power to stretch letters to weird angles
0: on the first page? Is that her other ability? Very because important question. There's something so weird about the letters on that first page. They're so squishy. I don't know what's happening. Also, I have to be honest with you. I was like, Courtney is still in the hospital. Nobody in this world heals at the right rate. Nope. Because Moose was back to power lifting, uh, like, the next month. Meanwhile, Courtney has permanent broken bones
1: disease
0: (laughs) from being dinged by a car full of terrorists what?
1: And I still don't care.
0: You know, I also think that one of the most classic things people talk about are the Monster of the Week episodes from this era of TV that worked. There's the Harriet Sansom Harris episode of X-Files. There's the Invisible Girl episode of Buffy. The first thing you think about when you read this. Yeah, and then, you know, ultimately that there's a character named Whedon introduced a little bit later. Yes, it's Whedon, but, you know, there's a, a sense of references to the WB and Dawson. Creek. It feels like perhaps this was trying to be topical almost like they had the quick wire fuck him. Fuck him for being the earliest spider girl villain showing up way too late if this guy had been an issue for it wouldn't bother me yeah. but fucking pinball boy yeah. is not what I'm here for so that he becomes important is ridiculous yeah. I don't know you know 52 and 53 if they had been in the previous arc not only would I have liked the previous arc More, but it would have also improved my relationship with this arc.
1: Definitely the latter. I don't, I just don't know what I'm taking away from these stories. And I still don't know what to do with this girl. Because does she actually turn invisible or is it a metaphor? I truly do not know because she does appear later and is a fully functioning person. I I just, I'm, I, maybe this is a thing and we're going to find out later, but it, it does nothing for me right now and it's not going to come up anytime soon in any way that's concrete. So you're really at asking a lot of me to care about this right now in connection to a future storyline, if it even comes up.
0: Maybe the bigger thing is that we're supposed to take away how much we love seeing our two awesome spider gals pal up. Maybe we're meant to take from this story that there are moms that really do suck, so maybe we should cut Mary Jane, Felicia, and Diana a break. Poor Diana. Poor Diana, who just is the lesbian that's too good for this book. Book. Yep. I don't even know what to say. I feel like if they would just say, Oh no, they're gay together, I would have a lot different relationship
1: with them. absolutely
0: okay. So I'll be honest, I don't have a whole lot more about 53. No, please, no. But I could probably talk about how much I hate the cover to 54 for the rest of my life. Yes. I don't mind things about it, but I've already, you know, put my statement on I don't care for Spider Girl being two lines. Number one. Number two, I think the digital background 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 job that udon studios is doing on the covers does not match the quality of the interior colors in a way that always make the covers seem a little bit like early
1: nfts i definitely see that i also just like the gun with a big gun i don't know
0: i don't need it no i really don't need it and it read to me like 54 to 59 where somebody said to defalco age it up it's got to get it's got to get tougher this has got to stop being an all ages book and it's got to start being pushing teen
1: which i don't even have a problem with. May's 15, but in the course of the next few issues, and like over the course of the last, uh, what is it's not even 20 altogether, Mary Jane comes to term and has a baby. Like, time is not passing in anything like a linear way, and that's fine because it's Marvel, but like, this would have been a really good time to age May up a little bit, and just get us to senior year or something. You know, give us a six months later, anything, because the tone of the book definitely does age up with this story a little bit, but May Almost ages down.
0: In a weird parallel way, with the events around her becoming more severe. Exactly. I think by forcing these issues to be an arc, like when I opened it and I saw that it was one of six, my brain immediately treated page time and panel time differently. I found myself more eager to engage with longer scenes because I said to myself, oh, this is going to be 2003 level decompression. Not quite, but much closer in that there is a clearer character arc and emotional arc created here that I think we were lacking.
1: Yep, absolutely. And we're cutting out a bunch of extra story in each issue for these arcs that is very helpful. I wish they hadn't
0: focused so much on the high school stuff. We go to other dimensions, but we're still focusing on the fucking high school stuff. Um, yep. You know, There's some really interesting things that I like seeing them be clear about. Uh, I think the chicky thing doesn't land, but I like it a little bit. Uh, pretty tired of the hard pregnancy stuff. I think Brad's coming off a little bit by today's standards as perhaps a serial harasser. Yes. I think Ralphie comes off like a serial sexual harasser. Yep. I think Moose comes off like a bully. Don't get me wrong. You can bully for a good reason. You can bully to protect somebody, but it's still a bad tactic and there's got to be a better way.
1: Yeah. And again, it's like. It's just none of these characters are giving us anything. This doesn't have anything to do with what's going on in May's real life, which is her as Spider-Girl. And, you know, we're just kind of putting up with it. The only person you could have connected it through is JJ.
0: Why did you ruin JJ? Exactly. And I actually really like a good Christmas issue. I think a Christmas issue is a really great way to kind of indicate a period of time. And I think when you make an arc Christmas themed, it's dangerous. But the fact that we move past Christmas pretty quickly helps here uh i just want to point out that on page 11 of the marvel unlimited version i was really
1: sure that mary jane was dead on that slab <laughs> they did choose to just do a little bit less with the eye work than they maybe ought to have done to get the message across
0: yeah and speaking of that cover and getting the message across i think that having had the serpents building in the background for a really long time is really good that's something that you know we've commented on oh the serpents the serpents and you know that. I'm glad to see it. But the inevitability that May would have to hardcore up is not one that I wanted to see pay off in this way. I'm glad that ultimately she doesn't use the gun. She uses it as a baseball bat. But there's so many tongue-in-cheek things here. We're like, in this issue, she says, guess who's going grim and gritty? In another issue, she says, like, basically, I'm Spider-Girl. Oh, well, sorry. I know Ultimate Spider-Man's better. Like, there are some really weird references here that that make it seem like they are resentful of the changes to the book.
1: Yeah, I definitely see that.
0: And, you know, I guess the whole normie kiss thing, you know, as we're talking about it, I have become less of a normie shipper for Mayday. And I'm really grateful for that. Like, you know, because I was even the one who was first like, let me tell you how I don't like the age stuff. And you were like, no, I definitely don't like it. And like, the more we're saying it back and forth to each other, the more okay I am with them not being together. Well, because originally, I don't know, I just in my head I thought that they were like 17 and 19
1: that, that, those are the exact ages I was about to give you
0: yeah that's how it reads it reads like she is a senior and he just went crazy after graduating high school maybe he didn't walk you know at graduation right. ran off somewhere
1: yeah that is how I've been reading this and I don't need them to be together I like the I liked the will they won't they I like Normie as a presence in her life who is not part of her idiot high school drama I was disappointed to discover that what I'm rooting for is age appropriateness and like a step away from something a little grooming-esque. I didn't think that's what I was reading. And I now, I clearly may have either missed something or I don't know. But yeah, I thought they were 17 and 19. 15 and 20 kills me. And
0: you know, it's something that we're commenting on here and there that the art is going through some subtle transformations as the title is continuing. And I'm gonna be really honest, there is something so jarring about the color job on the cover of 55 and then the color job on the first page of 55 as compared to where we left things off. There is some very extensive haloing effects where there is purposefully a white border between the heavy black line of the inking where we are looking at some very heavy line weight here, some very thick ink work and the haloing effect in contrast to the subtlety of the backgrounds where they've chosen to put in backgrounds beyond a gradient transition definitely makes the book very clearly trying to quickly catch up to modern art. I would have rather just had a clean
1: break in a new creative team. Yeah, I definitely see what you're saying.
0: I'm glad that we're catching up. I'm glad that we're getting um, a crisper digital color job. Not that I don't really appreciate you know, classic color. Saying that I like digitally lettered books isn't saying that i think todd klein is a hack you know what i mean yeah so saying that i like that these colors are looking more sharp it's just that it's so striking so that when i'm looking at what is now a much brighter more intense green goblin color tone when i'm looking at what has a bit more of that sort of Thunderbolts era norman osborne hair on normie there is Definitely a point at which I find myself saying the book's picking up. Like there's, because I feel bad. I think I'm saying I, I like the homogenization. I think I'm saying that I like some of what made Spider Girl so unique is gone, but some of what made Spider Girl so unique was clinging to ideals that hadn't supported the strength of the title in a really long time. I think that's the perfect way to put it. You know, I don't want it to change. I, you know, went into this, I'm coming out of this experience a lot more of a fan. Of Spider Girl and the MC2 universe as a cultural moment and less a fan of the work. And that's helping me be a better comic reader, writer, critic, podcaster. I'm a better creator for this. It's helped me see where geniuses of their craft, you know, you don't open with Bill Sienkiewicz and not recognize the geniuses you're talking about. And this arc is really getting me somewhere. I feel like if, you know, issue 50 really represented the death of that sort of, we can't let 1992 storytelling go. Yeah, this really does feel like they vaulted to 2000. I don't know that they're in 2003 yet. I would like it if they were in 2003, because it is 2003, but I'm happy just knowing that they're willing to do what it takes to keep May alive.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it's not too little too late. This is a good stride forward. Does it lead to awkward things like the David a cell phone moment. Sure, it does. But at the same time, we're getting a really solid villain challenge plot for May that isn't muddled up with a billion other, you know, villains double crossing each other and maybe triple crossing each other and somebody where all of a sudden,
0: yeah, they bring up somebody you forgot from the third issue. Exactly. And it's sort of one of the ways that this arc works best is by kind of telling us how stupid the villain is kind of throughout. Like, they're clear it's a hate group. I don't think you can be like, well, no, but we're a very intelligent, well organized hate group. You know, it's you're always a hate group. There's kind of like a a diminishing quality to discussing you in that way. And in the idea that they crucify Spider-Girl to an anchor and they kill Phil. Okay, you know, Phil's not dead, whatever. Crucifying Spider-Girl to an anchor, she is the thing weighing herself down? Yeah. This is sort of an interesting visual in a really powerful way. Yep. So Phil's obviously not dead. I mean, I mean, there was hope, just no way right? yeah unfortunately we would never get that yeah. we're not lucky enough but the thing that maybe lit me up in this story was normie's like we gotta help her you're right but may's already saved herself by that point yeah like she's not trying to save herself and we see it happen after the man has decided to rescue her he thinks she needs help nah she's got it go girl go she is amazing in that moment it really is like it's part of why we thought she was 17 because in this moment she feels like an adult hero overcoming that darkness
1: and it's a quintessential hero moment where your life is on the line and you either have to be stronger than the challenge or you will die and it doesn't necessarily always seem even plausible to the reader that the character could overcome the challenge and sometimes if you play the moment just right even though the reader might say to themselves on paper there's no way this should work and I don't believe it. When you see it happen on the page for a character that you're rooting for, it is a thing that you love about superhero books to see so much that when it happens, you just let it happen regardless of anything else. This is the moment where May is the strongest she's needed to be for herself and there's no you know, half step. She just saves herself. And I feel like it kind of involves a bit
0: of a surrender to the general trope of superhero comics. You know, there's that extra 10% that heroes can always push themselves. And then usually it's the last issue of an arc and they pull themselves up out of the wreckage and then they don't know who they are for an arc. You know what I mean? Like it's that level of they find 10% more in them and that 10% erases all of their brains. And in that sort of let's surrender to that kind of madness, Seth the Serpent God is sort of perfect here. She's a spider person. She's not Captain Wallcrawler. She's like Spider Girl. She is kind of ridiculous. ridiculous and she inherited her powers from a guy who was bit by a radioactive spider it's not yet a mystical destiny he just got bit by a spider with funky junk and like that's it so yeah she can fight a giant snake man that's okay and that's the kind of silly i want to lean
1: into with this book yeah i think you're exactly right
0: kind of silly i'm not sure about is in the new warriors splash which I love. I love seeing Dark Devil and the Buzz fight in my head. They have a really great romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. And I love seeing Lady Hawk. I love any opportunity I like to imagine that the other Lady Hawk is just hanging out in the background. And then there's Phil, who is finger zapping someone. in and the shocked
1: that he can do it.
0: Yeah, it worked! And like... <laughs> It's such an interesting, weird sort of bit of art. Like it really, and then we see Phil pointing again in two pages. Like Phil is a pointer, and that is actually kind of unmenacing. Uh, but I just got to cover one of my favorite Daredevil issues from the classic run, and it's Daredevil versus Namor. And like, there's no point at any point in Daredevil number seven from 1965, April of 1965. There's no point in at any point in that story that anyone could believe that Daredevil is going to anything but get his ass kicked. And every time he won't stay down. Namor says things like I will not kill him because someone with this much dignity belongs in the world. And like you literally see Daredevil crawl until he passes out trying to stop Namor. And that's why Namor lets him live. Like that is this Spider-Girl moment. Like as as a guy who Daredevil is my whole life. Like I that's what this moment is for me. This is she just won't quit because she's a fucking hero and heroes don't quit. And this is the kind of like I'm gonna give this an arc an A plus for this moment alone I I love that she collapses chasing the bad guy oh that hits me right yeah you know there's a couple of other things in this arc that hit me right and hit me wrong I specifically have no use for this interpretation of the buzz what did they do to my precious the buzz
1: especially again because now May knows who he is
0: it's a bummer it's a big bummer and weirdly enough Franklin in this Fantastic Five appearance as the other child of super parents who knows what it's like. Like this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Franklin Franklin pulling in some amazing appearances. Like, I can't believe I'm saying it. I look forward to a Franklin Richards appearance now more than any member of Next. Oh, for uh, sure. No. Man. American Dream. I love American Dream. Well, they fixed
1: the his hair, too, so it's a lot easier to see him on panel and not just lose your shit.
0: Yeah, I mean, they gave him a pretty decent Vanderbeek, and <laughs> I, can, I can live with it.
1: We can handle a Vanderbeek.
0: So now comes what my be my favorite moment in all of MC2 so far. I don't know how after the Daredevil moment there's something anything better. I got really choked up when I realized that Mary Jane is always Spider-Girl's best advocate even when she's not Mayday's best advocate. Right. Because she knows that her daughter truly is, she knows where her daughter's going to end up. Not because she's deciding her daughter's life for her but she can see that fire in Mayday that exists in Peter and she wants to protect it and cradle it and nurture it. And she's showing that there's still room for her to be an incredible mom to Mayday as she's having this new child. There is something so perfect about that moment of motherhood that like, oh man, issue 56 might be the best issue of Spider Girl so far for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Because as much as I love the rest of the arc. Oh God. Yeah, it does feel a little bit like it maybe forgets what book it is. Yeah. Just a little bit. I wonder, I mean, I I have to be honest. This is the first issue where I'm like, this art is unacceptable. Yeah. This is, I don't know if they were under the gun, but the usually incredible team really had some trouble on this one in a pretty noticeable way. A lot of unfinished details, a lot of incomplete faces, odd proportions. Not my favorite visual issue of Spider-Girl.
1: No, and it also, it feels like we maybe could have have done a third volume of A Next where the three remaining issues of the season of the serpent were contained in that and Spider Girl carried on with other stories because this becomes real deep A Next lore that nobody was super asking for in the first place. And then also, I don't know how much it really, I get the connection to the serpents, but it's just not enough to go on this journey back to the other dimension.
0: Yeah. And speaking of journeys to other dimensions, there are two really striking images early on in this issue. Number one, the Lizzie McGuire sweater is one hell of a touch. I gotta say, number two, that fucking fetus is the scariest thing I have ever seen (laughs) in my entire fucking life. We said big brain was the scariest thing that's ever happened. No. When she screams, oh my gosh, it's because she thinks she's about to die.
1: Yep. That is a xenomorph human hybrid that is gestating inside of Mary Jane.
0: Oh my God. It's so unsettling. It is so unsettling. I don't even know. So, but that is... (sighs) That is where we have a moment in 57 that kind of unsettles me. I really just said all that lovely stuff about Mary Jane in 56. So when in 57, Mary Jane is like, no, no, they're terrorists. Don't fight them. Yeah. What the, f- what the fuck? You're fine. You're fi- You're fine with her fighting these other people, but this is where you draw the line. I'm sorry that Grand Dragon has you nervous, but Spider Girl needs to do this.
1: Also, what do you think was happening when she came home smelling like she'd been dropped in the Hudson? That nev- Nothing good happened there. Exactly. Okay, but what we get here
0: is one of my favorite things that comics have ever done, which is the mini arc in the arc so that they don't have to finish the arc yet. I love this storytelling device. This is, as you pointed out, one of my notes is that this is pretty much an annex storyline. Like, this is where they probably said, and that's the point, we'll pay this off. I wonder how many Spider-Girl bad guys were originally going to be a next bad guys or j2 bad guys or fantastic five bad guys you know i wonder how much they had to refix things here and there but i'm always down for an american dream team up i love her she's a lot of fun
1: i mean i love her too and it's not that this isn't fun it just it very much goes hard left into an a next story i guess just given how like deeply the last issue was focused on who may is as a character this one it just kind of wasn't where my head was at, and it felt like this big six-issue arc had somehow kind of lost the the core importance, which is May. Because it's amazing that we finally get to pay off some Thunderstrike. We go back to
0: that alternate dimension that we, you know, left Thunderstrike in, where we were both just like, how fucking dare you! Like, we went full tilt on this is a weird way to write out a bunch of characters. Yep. And I'm so happy to come back to them. I I missed Thunderstrike. I made it very clear that I'm a fan, but it really does feel like they picked up the A-next story and said, well, they're never going to let us use Kristoff. We use Stinger too much. Let's just replace it with Spider-Things. What does Spider-Girl do a lot? And this fucking Fatal 5 is my favorite thing because it is the best, worst names I've ever heard in my life. You know, Reed is surrounded by blowtorch ding Psy slayer ouch the brute already over there in mutant x gotta point it out and then we get I don't even know what else to call him but like evil perv eyes spider man (laughs) he has the perviest eyes I've ever seen it's weird to me that he has those eyes and isn't in just a trench coat that he's about to open (laughs) it's so clearly what this book should have been doing earlier it's a little late here it's a out of sync with what's going on in comics now but i am glad to see them get through those moments that are sort of quintessential to this era's superhero experience
1: yeah i i think you're right about that and you know there really was
0: no point at which we thought that spider girl was going to die in this other universe
1: you know i
0: don't think any of us were like oh this is it they're ending at 58 in the middle of an arc with two issues to go in an alternate dimension finishing out a storyline from a book no one ever bought i don't don't think that, you know, this is not Twilight of the Spider Gods. You know what I mean? So finding Cap and Thunderstrike, and it's just like so quick, yet so many pages that by the time they come back to our world, it's page 15. And in some ways, I feel like nothing has been accomplished that I didn't know would be accomplished at the end of the last issue. But I wonder how much of that is our programming on this book to assume that something like that would happen in two pages that we'd complain about.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: So then we get what must technically be the most people from the MC2 lineup ever on one page. Yep. Couldn't even fit them all. I I I howled because it's so many characters we care about. So there is fucking wild thing right there, looking amazing. We have the awesome Jim Rhodey character that we liked so much. We have the Bill Foster's grandson Earth Sentry up in the background. We have you know all the Uncanny X people. J Two. This is a veritable who's who of like the best of MC Two plus Nova Mm. and Dark devil's there which i love and big brain and so it feels in many ways like this was meant to be a big mc2 event they had planned maybe this was meant to be spider girl 50 i don't know But it feels like this is an inevitable, intentional conclusion we were always meant to reach.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I love this moment. I love a moment when a hero's, everybody that a hero has encountered that has added a little bit to their journey shows up and says, hey, let us lend a hand. That is a moment that I am a sucker for in any story. Makes me Uh, cry. Yeah, exactly. what this book then chooses to do with that to finish things out is very funny and I don't even hate it it just is no like it's it's hysterical. it's hysterical so the Avengers are all at the
0: mansion and everybody's like spider girl you gotta rest girl this is too much for you and Peter's like yeah I don't want you in this fight and spider girl's like they always make me go home
1: fine so spider girl but also lets- they're like they're like you did the most important part like without your help this never would have come to fruition. Like, your job is done. There's very much a sense of, like, you're It's not. you not getting benched because you're bad. You're getting benched because you have played the best part of the game and now let us close out. That is really true and a very important distinction.
0: Because it, it sets up why, number one, she has this little fucking tuft of hair. <laughs> like, some sort of weird spider moogle. I don't even know how to explain it. But, so she swings her way out of the mansion. And immediately, the mansion is sucked into a portal. And it's like... Entropy field blocked by Seth, who evidently has enough power to fucking trap Avengers Mansion in a
1: force field. Holy shit. So now she's confronted with Seth and has absolutely no backup. They're all stuck in this force field and cannot get out to help her.
0: And they even point out that this is the guy that originally defeated Thunderstrike. So like, he's not a nobody. They're not just saying, oh yeah, this guy, He just he's here to be fought. Like, you know, it's not that. They really do create a compelling argument for, for why this is pretty mortal danger for spider girl the highlight I think here that really does help for me to set up my argument that this was meant to be a big deal arc all along it's great to see J2 have a fucking line of dialogue yep and it does feel a little bit like J2's dialogue stopped exactly where we last heard him speak if dad were here
1: shut up oh my god but does he get that beautiful moment where he reunites with his boyfriend thunderstrike oh Oh my god, I know. And like, he runs to him. him. Yep, just holds him while he convalesces from his punching a barrier. I just can't get over it. Like, this really is paying off a lot of storylines in a way
0: that I love. Because this really is an exciting arc of Spider-Girl. You know, for all of my negative feelings on 45 to, I'm going to own it, 45 to 53. Yeah. 54 to 59 is what Spider-Girl should have been from the beginning. Yeah. And we should be much further than this by now. Yeah. So it does feel a little bit like, you know, because we were joking last episode that at some point, DeFalco is going to have to recognize that this book can't run forever. And then it does. It runs forever. (laughs) But it does feel a little bit like they're waking up now.
1: Yeah. And deciding to do tight six issue arcs that say one of six. So you are promised we're going to be done with this in five more books. Yeah.
0: Now, I'll admit, the fight sequence against Seth being set against Mary Jane going into labor and the Avengers trying to break out. There's a lot happening all at once and there's a couple of places where I have a hard time believing they didn't think they were going to get 40 pages for this one. And there's a couple of pages where the letters probably do represent an accessibility issue that would never be allowed to be printed today. You know, there is a certain level of spacing, coloration, density, and size that goes into lettering, that lettering is such a specific art, and I think you really do encroach on some problematic anti-accessibility lettering problems here on occasion. And every time we wind up in a situation where Spider Girl has a chance to do something really cool, she does something like "I'm going to attract and repel your face to my feet over and over again." What the fuck is that? What She's is that rolls? It's someone with a foot thing, is what it is. <laughs> and so Spider Girl thinks she accidentally killed Seth, and she feels really bad about it, and then. he's like nah you can't kill me and so then she tries to kill him and then he turns into a giant snake creature and she flat out says you You look look ridiculous ridiculous. that is my moment like that is just like she can't do this anymore she has literally detached from this fight it's Veronica Mars trying to break out of the washing machine or whatever the fuck it is that she's stuck in at the end of season one she has just completely detached from the moment and she's just screaming I knew you'd come get me (sighs) I knew you'd rescue me. And everybody in the entire MC two universe is there ready to congratulate her. More characters are in these scenes than we saw earlier. It's, you know, so great to see these additional characters. I am so here for it, but by having her unconscious for the fight and having her not there for the birth, it does feel like once again, she misses everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And again, like I love the idea that she did the hard part and she can rest, but a, they already did that once and then they were like ha, gotcha bitch so why not just let her have the victory lap with Seth? why not just like have her stab him with
0: something you know right. like a special magical device that he has like because right. we do go to those places in the next arc all said and done really season of the serpent represents a major turning point for me as a spider girl fan for the book in general this arc was really well deserved and it was told about as tightly as they could tell it I mean this is 132 pages that feels like 132 pages
1: and honestly we did start out with some high school stuff that i don't give a shit about but it gets completely cut for the last like four issues of the arc and that is to the series benefit this is some really solid storytelling and you know we get great plot devices out of it the baby's fucking born we're on to something new All said and done, I give this arc an A. I give this arc an unabashed A. If I
0: have to count 52 and 53, I give the trade a B, but if I can just give Season of the Serpent a grade, it's an A for me. This is what I remember Spider Girl being in my head that I now see it was not. It's one of those things where when your friend is in a band and they play you a demo of the song and you can see your friend hears the song they're trying to make and you can hear that song and for that moment you share that vibe and you're like this is gonna be a hit for you man right like that's this moment i want to go to tom defalco and be like you found it bro
1: (laughs) chase that moment buddy
0: Let's Talk Misleading Covers. Number one, I love the cover of number 60, and I also don't like the cover of number 60. Exactly. One of the things I like about the cover of number 60 is that it accidentally kind of says Spider Girls. (laughs) I think that's terrific. I also want to comment that I'm pretty sure that yellow trench coat in the upper leftist corner is Jubilee. I think the weird lip is Megan. I think the costume next to Megan, is that the Scarlet Spider Girl costume from earlier this? Run. I'm choosing to believe it's Madam Webb. Okay, I'll take it. We have Hound Rachel. <laughs> choice I love yeah we have Disco Dazzler Uh Shanna the She-Devil I don't know why all of these women have their eyes closed but they do we have She-Hulk we have Dagger what's up God it
1: is Dagger
0: we have completely off the page but there ish we have Monica Rambeau we have Black Widow Electra Spider Girl and Carol at the stage of her career where she was Warbird and don't forget about Jessica Drew oh yeah I guess I did Um, Uh,
1: especially after the fun that we've
0: had with her. Yeah, this cover is so interesting because it really doesn't say anything about the interiors, not in necessarily a negative way, but this really isn't a declarative feminist issue.
1: No, and it's not like a, think of all the amazing female superheroes that came before you. May like you are part of a legacy. That's a true thing and like we can kind of see it. These also like these characters don't necessarily really exist in this universe for her in the same way that we're seeing them here. Yeah. And so many of these characters feel
0: like they are kind of best parts versions of the characters. Yeah. Like I don't know if you I <laughs> one of the many things we loved about this universe is Rena, but one of the many things we have not loved about this universe is the depiction of Electra. and it kind of feels to me like you want to have your fun and have your revisioning of it by putting Electra on this badass Ladies of Marvel cover when the coolest thing we ever saw Electra do in the MC2 universe was manhandle some teenagers at a dojo. <laughs> <laughs> so I do feel a little
1: thrown by that. I'm also just like conceptual Actually, whatever legacy May Day Parker comes from in terms of female superheroes, Megan and Rachel are very distant cousins to that legacy.
0: If at all. I mean, right. like,
1: I I don't know. It's funny. It's it's great. I love it. I mean, like, it it's a gorgeous cover. Yeah. It's just really silly. It has nothing yes. to do with anything in the book or even out of the book. It's just like the the true fact is that May Parker is a female superhero hero, as are all the women that are depicted in this book. And then this book goes some really touchy places, like real touchy places. And I think- Places that you maybe shouldn't be writing about if you're like a mid-50s, mid-40s white man.
0: Yeah. You know, it's so nice seeing May be a member of a family unit and see her contribute to the family in a positive way. I really enjoy that. I enjoy seeing her reflect on previous female heroes because the last time we had a reset after a major event was 51 and I felt a bit disheartened. By the interpretation of female superheroes in that story. So, seeing the positivity in the reset after 59 feels really good. But, you know, it's such an unfortunate give and take where we see all of that stuff about amazing female heroes. And then at the bottom of it, she's thinking about the older man she wants to bang. Right. Like, so for all the good steps forward, we kind of have a misstep on the same page. Yep. Also, speaking of a misstep for me, I was not as big a fan of the handling of the Sandra Healy story I understand that they're trying to go for Dawson's Creek era realism because you're already playing in a super heroic world you need to be a little bit more careful with the cavalier nature of handling statements of traumatic abuse by domestic relationship members I don't it's it was not handled the way I would have liked to have seen it handled, but I appreciate the attempt because it was never truly bad.
1: No, the intentions are clearly good. It wasn't, like, offensive in any way. Again, I don't know that DeFalgo is the writer for it. This would have been a great time for a guest writer with some experience. We got a version of this, or we got the hint of a version of this with Raptor when she first appeared. Right, that right, would have been- Yeah. It would have been a much more appropriate letting that story go on a little longer and just have it be at the superhero stakes level where there's no way that any reader can be like, huh, I'm going to go into my high school and behave like May and play like little detective around my high school and trying to solve this abuse problem that I'm in no way able to actually facilitate. This is one thing that I don't have the skills to do. And the fact that she doesn't do what we would tell somebody to Who in high school who knows that one of their friends is being abused to do today is part of what makes it so messy. The fact that she really doesn't talk to very many adults. The fact that she is so pushy in trying to solve this like it's a crime. And they do eventually have her say that that was the wrong way to go about it which is fine. But it just feels like with very good intentions a writer was like I know how to tell a good domestic violence story and they know how to tell a not bad one but there is a big difference. Perfectly put. And just to
0: kind of comment on one other thing that maybe doesn't click for me this issue, the art is really inconsistent specifically for character assassinated J.J., who is now just like a serial harasser and nothing else except when he's the buzz and then he's a super hot, super cool superhero and one of my favorite things about him his awesome man in the van, Richie, is all but gone. But on page 8 of the Digital Marvel Unlimited version, in that center panel J.J. looks like a cross between Tintin and a character from the Fallout logo on the next panel he looks like what Captain Britain would have looked like on X-Men Evolution and the panel next to it he looks like Alfred fucking E. Newman and none of these are JJ to me. none of them and he doesn't behave like JJ I don't know why they decided JJ had to suck but this arc another one I really enjoy like the last one I will say this is the weakest issue of the arc and JJ and Davida are just completely character assassinated.
1: Yep. But Normie's not so, you know, small victories. Although fucking go T, Normie. Fuck oh off. Oh my god.
0: Although he is almost assassinated. That's so, true, yes. Okay. All right, I wish that this show had a little bit different format in some ways so that like I could like have known this was coming and remembered it. The shocking attempt at cultural sensitivity with the Lady Hawks is um shocking. Shocking. Shock- fucking sh- like sh- fucking shock- Shocking! Like, I know a lot of Marvel comics today that wouldn't dare make those statements. Yeah. And not every one of them was made with imperfection, and not every one of them was made with absolute authority, but telling a white character that going to a black woman about a potential abuse victim has some really ugly connotations that she wouldn't recognize is startling for this title. Completely, in every way. I I couldn't be more impressed. I couldn't be more proud. Makes me really excited that this is a project we're doing because moments like that need attention drawn to them. That was above and beyond what I could have expected from a book that had giggle, giggle, we're doing porkies in the locker room.
1: It's also very confusing because it really feels like I do not know how you got this much insight, like how you found this thing that is so incredibly important because I have seen you miss, not you, Nico, you, the writer, Tom DeFalco, God love him. I've seen you miss so many important points and, you know, like things like May in the shower, the fact that we have moments in this book that are just really problematic that when one like this comes up where yeah, even today you might get through a story like this and not have a character say this, you might even have a writer write it and have an editor say hey, this seems kind of confrontational or like it puts the character in a bad light, so maybe don't have them say that, but it is an incredibly important point and it's one that, you know, it proves that somebody was aware of this stuff 20 years ago, so we have no right but to do better today. Speaking Speaking of something
0: I don't think they would do better today, you're very right. Normie choosing to kiss her on the head. I, fuck, I don't want them together now. The age thing really bothers me. So I can't have them together. It's not that I even have a problem with age disparities. I am lucky enough to have partners that I do have some age disparity. You know, and did nothing weird about those relationships. It's specifically where they are in their lives. Yeah. that it is unkind light to show these characters in. Yeah. Although, speaking of ridiculous lights, how the fuck is Courtney still in the hospital? I think she's faking. I think she just likes to hang out. She has broken bones disease for the rest of her life, and she's never getting up again. Because, like, Ben Parker is, like, 42 and has a job now and may is like come save the world with me and he's like i can't i got three kids like that's how much time has elapsed that courtney's still in the hospital she loves that jello every day were you also confused by like a new costume
1: mom and dad what the <laughs> fuck was that moment i mean yes i was but at the same time no i wasn't because that is such a spider girl this book thing to happen
0: yeah you're right you're totally right i don't know what i was thinking <laughs> seriously because i again i even am really positive on this arc
1: yeah yeah no no, no. it's great and like that is a great thing you know just the idea that may her parents are really proud of her they both know the superhero biz they get her a new costume it's you know it's a gift for how she's done great there's nothing wrong with it but it also is really silly and it's a kind of weird note to end the book on not a bad one it just made me giggle a little bit well you know marked for death issues 61
0: to 66 of spider girl are the next major arc of the book and this is the point at which spider girl hits where she should be. I think the quick age speed on a lot of the characterization throughout this arc is really intense. I think it sucks that it's Canis because I do think weird dogman doesn't say much. Like, I don't think he's an interesting villain, so I don't really care that it's him, but so much of what happens in this arc is meant to bring May to where we would think a character would be after five years of publication.
1: And the fact of the matter is that we have had Canis and Kingpin storylines in the past. They are kind of at this point dangling. There is a degree to which we know there is more to come and I would rather see it wrapped up. This book drops plot lines whenever it wants, so they really could have easily done that. The fact that they decided they needed to wrap this one up, this was the way to do it. To give us a tight six, to give us an inevitable conclusion and, you know, within that to give May some good character work. And I agree with you that this is an
0: inevitable conclusion on Kingpin and on Canis. More could even come. And I would be fine with it if more came after this. But I needed us to get to a place where all of that had had a purpose. Yeah. You know, Courtney coming back to school, I'm not sure exactly where that story... Like, I don't know what putting Courtney in the hospital was meant
1: to do other than maybe make Heather a good person. Well, again, I mean, that's always the question that we're going to have with high school stuff because it doesn't tie into any. Anything. Well, but this is where the high school stuff ratchets up the crazy to like yes. crazy ratchets. That although panel, at the same time, it's like it gets even of less consequence. It's fights over a spot on the basketball team.
0: Yeah, although it turns into an act of like aggressive violence. Uh, true. You know, that panel where Davida and Nancy and Spider Girl are all contorting themselves, yeah. <laughs> I have it labeled as it looks like it's about to be a triple kiss.
1: Yes, it does it, exactly look like that.
0: You know, and it's interesting because. I don't think that they are in any way actually trying to sexualize them in that moment or anything. It's just funny.
1: They've just decided this is the way to show the conflict and you can just see it as something funnier. It's almost like kind of innocent and sweet that nobody looked at this and was like, eh, let's do it a little differently. Yeah.
0: You know, I also like seeing the Normie stuff. Like again, Normie being like, I'm not part of this. You know, you're coming to me. You're involving me. He has a very, I can't do this on my own without you attitude. Right. Like he recognizes it's not his story. And that feels like a very dynamic change from it's kind of everybody's main story. Right. So I guess we need to get to the next major explosion this arc. I cannot believe the levels to which this issue or this story becomes kind of like, I don't want to say a bloodbath, but certainly an aggressive situation.
1: Yeah. It's very explosive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, her whole thing about being like, oh, no, I'm endangering people. It it feels a little like, "Okay, sure. Obviously, you are a danger to people. That's the nature of being a hero. Every hero ever has told you that this isn't new. This isn't news. Maybe that's one of the things where that's what we're saying. This is a conclusion that she could have come to sooner. But also, Normie's the one fucking person that you should assume crossed someone else because... Remember, he used to be kind of a jerk.
1: (laughs) I just did a little murder here and there. Don't worry about it.
0: Yeah, just a little uh, carrying on the family legacy of super murder. No big deal. Uh, Speaking of murder, the character assassination performed on Davida makes her the pettiest, horriblest, most terriblest character in the book. Yep. She is just ruthlessly awful to people for no reason. Like, And again, this is the group of friends that we said it didn't really make sense A couple of issues earlier when they were like, oh, there's no chance that anybody would uh, ever be like, oh, you weren't there when Moose broke his leg, so
1: there's no chance that you are our friend. Like, Davida is now fully engaged in that level of dictating how the relationship must go.
0: Yeah. And it feels really outside of who I feel like I recognize Davida to be. Yeah. I feel like we were presented a really fair, reasonable character for a really long time who we were rooting for her to become like an insider and part of this. So it really feels unfortunate that now we find ourselves kind of eye rolling when she She's on the
1: screen. She's almost further away from discovering that May is Spider-Girl.
0: Yeah. Last issue has that big explosion at the prison, which injures Kingpin, and now Dark Devil is missing, and ultimately, Kingpin being injured plays a huge role in this arc, but it doesn't really get attention the way Dark Devil is missing does. Right? Peter starts out saying that he believes that Dark Devil must be innocent, but sort of out of nowhere, he converts to, nope, he did it and i i don't know why it feels a little unfair to dark devil but these two major explosions the kingpins prison cell and the website these are two major locations that we've relied on throughout the bulk of the series we're on issue 61 i would say that those two locations became pretty big deals in the early 20s mid-20s of the series yep so that's 40 issues of a location
1: but in some ways i'm kind of okay with it because i like the idea of like making some big moves that's going to change the story around and neither of those locations is something that i'm so married to that i'm like this is essential spider girl going forward i
0: agree y- they you know didn't exactly blow up the parker household right. so you know it's it's not quite that level of over the top though i do think all of the references to bat cave are just <laughs> not acceptable yeah stop saying bat cave yeah and you know there's one moment where i can kind of get behind Davida where she says something about how friendships aren't just at your convenience right you know that's fair that is the problem here but that Devita oversimplifies the world in such black and white terms feels really untrue of the character that we've spent 62 issues caring about and I do feel like they just decided there wasn't room in May's life for everyone to be close all the time and she
1: probably needed a falling out with this person it just feels very sudden though it does feel very sudden. The fact that she points out everything that like I feel like should be a sign to people in this universe that somebody's a superhero. She's like you've always got bruises on your face and you're zoning out and whenever a supervillain attacks you suddenly disappear. Like why Why don't you get it girl? Why don't you get it? Is it just that you imagine she can't be that interesting? Right. Although speaking of that
0: interesting, Normie is taken off the list to see Drago comma Brenda. Thank you god and you know Brenda specifically specifically right uh, you know the God Brenda so um <laughs> The whole lawyer thing, I keep forgetting that Dark Devil is Raptor's lawyer. Right. So when they're like, oh, no, Meredith Urich is in charge now. I'm like, oh, right. Oh, oh. This is the problem when you try to juggle this many stories for 61 issues. In one book. In one book. You get to the point where like, I even forgot that the part of the real reason that Davida and Mayday were fighting was because of the Nancy Lou basketball thing. Right. I thought they were fighting because of the cell phone thing. (laughs) So... It's just, we are reaching a point where I'm glad they're paying off so many stories because the storytelling is improving in ways that I find meaningful and important, and they're not wasting quite as much time in each issue. They're starting to speed through notes a little bit faster. The way they're getting there is sometimes kind of trading finesse for blocks of dialogue. We get Mayday dangling mobster dogman Canis off a rooftop to find out that the bad guy is a South American named Zador. And then we get Quickwire, the human fucking pinball, and Big Man from way back in A-Next, just randomly attacking Spider-Girl. And then it's also Raptor. It's it just, okay. It, we These are things that should have been coming up with a little bit more consistency before now, because I like this book.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think what it says more than anything is we needed three to six issue arcs more regularly that were defined as those and functioned... Le- the way these are functioning earlier in this book. Because, like you said before,
0: how are these characters not putting two and two together that Spider-Girl is Mayday Parker? Right. At the same time, Raptor is basically saying, girl, get away. I'll tell you everything later. Right. And, like, Mayday's like, no, I'm gonna punch you in the wing (laughs) now! Why? Why? You all deserve Normie getting shot. (laughs) So, when Normie gets shot and the character specifically says, and, you know, tell your great grandfather or tell your grandfather whatever I really appreciated it because I just needed to know that it wasn't Norman Osborn back from the dead shooting his own grandson Fair. Alright I guess I guess we can talk about the, uh, the real hero of this story you know for a number of years there was a line of comics at Marvel the old man line and there was old man Logan and old man Barton and you know old man Star-Lord and they even did a really cool arc of all new Wolverine that was like old woman Wolverine it was really cool and it also Started here. Talk about old man Foggy. In, back in the pages of Spider Girl sixty three with old man Foggy Guts Nelson, former agent of Shield. He is. I'm bringing every cool fucking Foggy story into this to make it possible. And uh you know, he was a an enforcer for the Kingpin. He worked for Shield. He's been mayor. He's been in witness protection to bring down international drug rings. And here we get old man Foggy Nelson, who why? Why? I don't know what Foggy's doing here. I don't recognize him. He's just like, and like, Foggy's best character development comes in like the Bendis and Brubaker eras and the Wade era. So like, this is still stuck in Miller era Foggy Nelson where he gets put in pause in like 1986 and never gets out of until like 2002. So like, we're still dealing with like an inferior fucking Foggy. I I can't. I can't have this argument about Foggy Nelson on every show I'm on, but it it takes such a deft hand to get Foggy right, and I would sooner rather not see him on the
1: page. Yeah, I completely agree. He doesn't need to be Normie's stepdad, and then if he is, he doesn't need to be here. This is a good arc. This book is a weak point. Pathos stories for Normie and the Kingpin were not what the arc needed at this point. Okay, That is my main
0: thing. This issue, if it had come at like 36, right right after Dark Devil, right after the redemption arc, right as he was falling for Raptor, if this had come miles earlier when the Kane stuff was still pretty tight and right before the Allison stuff with Mr. Nobody still being part of like the, you know, even in the mid 40s when Mr. Nobody was running against Funny Face and Crazy Eights and stuff like you could have made this bang harder, but what we do get is still a really good story. My issue with Foggy being here is more like a character choice than it is the story doesn't work. I just feel like the Kingpin moments aren't really well-earned at this place. Now, really funny, I'm taking notes, and I'm literally taking them out loud, and I go, these Kingpin moments aren't well-earned. There is Vanessa! (laughs) So, like, I have an inability to separate. Like, if Daredevil and Kingpin are equals, Vanessa Fisk is Electra's equal in almost every way. And I love her so much that I just don't care. I just don't care that it does not belong here. It belongs here. As far as I'm concerned, this should have been a 60-page issue. I just mean, of Vanessa, floating in light.
1: I love that for you. I even love that for the kingpin. I just... I'm so curious to know what the conversation was like where they were like the readers of Spider Girl, the book about Mayday Parker, really need the emotional catharsis of the kingpin meeting his dead wife in the afterlife. And son, Son. The the shitty son.
0: The shitty son. Richard is the shitty son. I'm sorry, he is. Like, I understand Butch is- Butch just needs oh, some help. He's questionable. But uh, Richard is the shitty son. Oh, God. And poor Wilson. He deserves better than this. And you know who deserves better than this? Why in fuck's name does Mayday immediately go, oh, I'm sure Kane is the bad guy. I'm going to trust Mr. Nobody.
1: Because she has terrible instincts when the story calls for it, and it's just maddening.
0: Yeah, it- Issue 64 gives me so many things that I specifically wanted earlier. You know, Kingpin is dead. That's been literally something we've been saying we've wanted a while, that Kingpin should be out of the story. He plays a really good specter, but he doesn't play a really good direct role in this narrative. You know, Normie in a mortal peril situation, I appreciate more than Courtney in a mortal peril situation. Canis as a you can't beat me in public because I'm smarter than you is a lot more threatening than Canis as a dog Like Mr. Nobody is untrustworthy. No shit. Like it feels like the book got all of my notes.
1: But how did it choose to employ them?
0: Well, I will never for the rest of my life forget what looks like it should be Davida Kirby's Gwen Stacy moment, getting hit in the fucking head of the basketball. (laughs) She should be dead. I'm sorry. She should be dead. Like, that's a basketball to the entire her.
1: And like, that's it. And just the way you see the shot, like, it really does look like it uppercut her and like snapped a vertebra.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm a big, like, later Black Tarantula fan. I think he is a pretty great character later on in Daredevil when he reforms, but here he's just still like a Spider-Man villain. And so I'm so completely divorced of caring about the bigger story that we're building toward that I am just really excited for the tight narrative storytelling. I didn't need another big bad looming, but by keeping him in this distance and never really focusing on him, I can, and then what the fuck is this baby's ass? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes. It's, you know and all the black tarantula stuff is true I do think it's important that they set him up as a distant villain and not a direct villain yeah. so that when he finally does come into play it's not one of those too many character situations yeah
1: but you're absolutely right a like why is there a baby's ass Two, you already gave us the fucking delicate pregnancy trope don't give us the dad can't change diapers that is the soul sucking worst he's a fucking genius and he has preternatural like dexterity he's fine to do a diaper
0: I agree because this book did get some other things really right like Like, Moose is so fucking evolved. (laughs) When Moose gets to college and becomes a women's studies major, Moose is going to be drowning in women that just think he's great and some men. And why is Davida Kirby so fucking prejudiced all of a sudden? What is happening to what we thought was the best character in the book? It's not even unseated, but it is certainly
1: frustrating. It's frustrating. It's also, like, given where the mutant conversation goes in the X books at this time, and again, we imagine that this is an alternate future, but it is a future in which things have changed. The idea that we're still doing the same old, mutants are freaks, mutants are bad, like, nobody in this high school besides May, who is, like, not even woke, she's just, like, not as much of a dick as everybody else. The fact that there's not, like, a conversation in which a lot of people are like, don't talk that way about mutants, that's really fucking racist, you're a bad person, it's... uh, I just, it makes this universe not able to keep up. It's one of the reasons that JJ
0: is back to being fucking JJ out of nowhere. Yep, And he's like, she needs a friend. You just, it's not about anything else. It's just about support. You support people. Like, okay, that's the JJ I love. That's the buzz that I love. And you know what? This is the raptor that I love. And what the fuck is wrong with May? And like, again, part of this anger is good anger. May hasn't fucked up like this before. Yeah. This is, she's punching first. Why does she call her a lying witch? What is happening here? I do love the recolor on Raptor. She looks great. Raptor is definitely one of my favorite characters. I wish there were Raptor, Wild Thing team-ups. The idea that there is another new team that doesn't want Spider-Girl to be part of it, though, cracks me up. Yep. Mr. Nobody being the bad guy and torturing Dark Devil fully uniformed,
1: however, is hysterical. Yes. Also, the voltage meter.
0: (laughs) Oh, the voltage meter is amazing. High voltage. And can we just point out that... That Mr. Nobody got a dramatic demuscling out of nowhere. Yeah, he lost. I mean, he looks like he's on meth. Yeah, and I kind of think he is ill. Like, yeah. n- not being silly, but like he goes from nobody crosses the kingpin to let's take the kingpin the fuck
1: down. He used to be the guy who was like, I show up to the fight and teleport around until you all shoot each other. And now he's like, I hide in the shadows and pop in once and grab the guy and teleport away again and hide back in the shadows. Yeah, he changes so dramatically. I have no idea what to do
0: with the fact that they have a meeting on a projector. (laughs) I don't know what to do with Peter saying, don't be a snot. <laughs> this little baby put its share of skells behind the bars and then may calling it out <laughs> in the next sentence. This is very much and a product of its era. Yeah. This is that, you know, certain shows figured out that you could draw attention to how witty something is and get away with it. Paddle time is a little bit more precious. Uh, speaking of precious, Peter being like, I can't believe our government would employ a man like K. Is the most adorable thing I've ever heard (laughs) in a pre Norman Osborne controls hammer world. So that kind of cracked me up. Also, why is Ben even? I don't why know. even Ben? Why Ben? I, why Ben? I don't hate
1: it, but I why? I don't hate it. But I'm just like I don't I don't care about babies. Same. I, mean, I don't care and, about babies at any point.
0: And they don't belong in superhero comics for sure. No,
1: and like I'm just like dangerous. this baby's gonna get kidnapped. Exactly. I don't care about this kidnapped baby. Also,
0: oh my god, I think the Sandra stuff hits a really interesting pinnacle here, where Howard goes to take on mayday and mayday's like i'm gonna break you step back like i in my notes i literally wrote lol oh my god howard no because (laughs) it's just like dude you're so fucked it it's kind of a buffy moment that is one of the things that i definitely think this book started to do it definitely started to take a lot of cues from buffy and then all of a sudden we take a cue from alias (laughs) (laughs) may master of disguise oh it's so great. It's so good. It's, you know, actually silly and fun and camp. That is part of it. Part of it is I'm kind of like, no, don't do that. I'm not actually like, no, you idiot.
1: No, it's just silly and it is fun. It goes somewhere. It doesn't take itself too seriously and it's over quick. Like, it's just this ridiculous moment in this book.
0: Yeah, and the end of this book did really shock me. I was really surprised that Mr. No Nobody gets away and Dark Devil seemingly die. I was really... It just feels like... And we have no reason to think he survived. They don't say anything. It really feels to me like if that's the end of this major thing that's been running through this story, if this was where it was all going, it really is kind of like, wow, it I can't believe it's over. I can't believe this is the end of Dark Devil.
1: Yeah, but you know, the other side of it is that this series just never really treated him as the valuable commodity that he was. So nothing about any interaction with him really surprises me. Yeah, I just, I could believe this is the end of Dark Devil. You yeah, know what for I mean? sure. Yeah, The full circle moment of May coming into this particular situation, absolutely owning it, stopping Mr. Nobody and getting Dark Devil out who says to her, I knew you would come for me. I like it. Me too. Especially after he did the whole I
0: pushed you so hard because I believe in you thing. Right. It was... It was definitely a hard goodbye to a character that we came to really like and it makes part of the way it all shakes out kind of okay for me. I have a hard time believing that Black Tarantula just took down Big Man, Raptor, Kane and Quickwire so easily. That feels a little hard. Then he takes out Canis is no big deal, but they make it clear that Spider-Girl can't take him out physically. It just maybe didn't need to be the 50th time she talked a situation down.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: I even like the outcome of this talk down that it's all pinned on Canis. It's not exactly like the bad guy gets away with it the way it has been a few times for her. This does feel a bit more like a reasonable conclusion where at least one bad guy got nabbed.
1: If she really wants to be the hero that gets through and like ends the situation without violence, I I want to see her have like a fighting style that's fully defensive where, you know, she never has to throw a punch because it's, she uses people's like body weight against them and that type of stuff and really make it like a core of her personality, not just a thing that like she tries, but if it doesn't work out, she'll kick the shit out of you. It just kind of is a little bit, you know, you never know what you're going to get and not in a way of like, oh, it's really fun to see. It's more just like, I have no idea if this is going to be one of those situations where she shit kicks or if they find a way to make it pl- plausible that she's able to talk it out it was plausible this time but it just it's still not quite organic
0: but i do feel like i got something i really needed here that i can like move on now when she tells raptor that normie is calling out for her and she helps unite them okay yep it's over. Yep. Now she cannot be with him.
1: Yep. That's it. And that's great. And that's how it should be.
0: And I don't want her to be with Brad, who yeah. she made out with for no reason.
1: Yeah. that We didn't mention that, but that was bad.
0: It was really bad. And I, she missed her own birthday party. She misses her own birthday party. She's purposefully not forgiving Davida, and I don't blame her. And I like that the Sandra stuff does resolve. You know, there's this one point where Sandra is like, he said that you would lie and say he attacked you. And, you know, Spider-Girl would normally just have like thrown the guy but May had to do some limited self-protection I think all things considered May was really responsible throughout the Sandra situation I
1: mostly agree with that I do think she was a little a little more involved I would have loved to have seen a storyline where she was a little less gung-ho to be a crime fighter in a situation where I mean yes there is technically a crime but it's not it's not the same thing it's not a spider girl crime I like the way this issue ends in that all she does is just be there for Sandra. She's not trying to help. She's not trying to, you know, solve anything. She's just going to stand with her. That is a very perfect conclusion to this. There were definitely times in the midst of it where, you know, she's going to talk to Brad and find out about the boyfriend and see what's wrong with him where I just thought, this isn't what you do and it's not really a good example. I agree. She definitely overplays her hand at times. Yeah, but I like how it ends.
0: Yeah, all said and done. I probably give this arc a B B+, maybe yep. an a name. Minus, it feels like where we should have been years earlier. So that we're finally here, even if there's some growing pains, it's a much more mature book. I feel like I cannot remotely compare Volume 1 to Volume 11. I absolutely agree with that. It would be really unfair to Volume 1, which reads like children's antics, whereas Volume 11, while still has some very childish antics, really ups the storytelling.
1: Yeah, and I think we're clearing out the cobwebs a little. I think Killing Kingpin was the way to go. Agreed. I think getting him out of there is just the best thing we can do for this book. I think showing us arcs that are fully completed, and even if the things from them can come back, we have just said, you know, here's a stopping point. There's nothing dangling here. It's not going to be a weird, awkward thing if a character shows up or, you know, if Canis shows up again. But for now, he's down, and we've we've put a period on the end of that sentence. You know, when we come back, things are going to be really different. You know, we are moving
0: to an unbelievable change of pace. Our next episode sees us cover Spider-Girl 67 through 88, the majority of which is not yet reprinted from there. We're going to re-expand into multiple titles where we will remain for the final five installments. As we take a look at the first proper major crossover and the end of Spider-Girl's first era with Spider-Girl 100 in the episode that follows. So it's kind of crazy, but we're almost out of solo Spider-Girl. It's a mad dash to the finish line it's like three years that encompasses some of the most issues of the spider girl universe but we're here we're way past the halfway
1: point there's no going back i'm excited well, until we come back to talk about no going back, where can everybody find you online? You guys can find me on our sister show, X's for Podcast, and I highly recommend you go listen to our recent coverage of the series Spellbound. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at xnatexgrayx. You guys can find
0: me over on X's for Podcast, as well as on the Hubs Plus Network on YouTube, where you can check out The Billy Club, my and Tori Sheen's dissection of Daredevil, starting way back in April of 1964. You could also check me out on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction, that's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N, and in the upcoming Young Men in Love Anthology, coming out in June. And until next time, guys, remember, you can find a doorway back to the Thunderstrike dimension anytime you need, it seems.
1: But don't ever use
0: it. Don't. Oh, for your sake, you're going to have to deal with some weird block-headed things.